This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that is only two or three pundits away from being a title-challenging podcast. I'll let you ruminate on that. Anyway, Chelsea lost an intriguing match against Man City 2-1 on Saturday. It may have felt like they failed their big test, but in truth that would be a bit harsh. They gave it a go and put City under pressure for large periods of the game. However... I felt that City and Pep just had too much experience and tactical nows for Chelsea, pressing, squeezing the space, soaking up the pressure in full knowledge that they could pick our pocket and punish us with clinical finishing. And so it proved. The defeat, while disappointing, should not leave Chelsea supporters downhearted. After all, we lost the corresponding fixture 6-0 last year. It showed, while we're not quite there yet, uh, we're not far off. Well, not too far off anyway, but it highlights the areas for improvement, which in no particular order are a decent left back and quite possibly a keeper and a striker too. Ultimately, against the best teams, you'll be punished for your mistakes and you have to be more clinical in front of goal. But we need to remember that what has been achieved in a short space of time with a young squad and no major signings is brilliant and the club feels totally revitalised with Frank and Jody at the helm. Like Frank said, we're coming. So on that happy note, uh, that's best, the best title I could think of for this week. We're coming. The Chelsea Fancast, number 482. Good evening, JK. Great to be on, Chidge. And what a great title and what a great thing for the manager to say. Yes. I mean, absolutely brilliant. He, he's a star. He's such a star, that man. Mm. I, I, I'm, I, get to, I get quite lacrimose about it, Chidge, but he is really a great personality and what a fantastic rallying cry for everybody yeah. after the defeat and uh, absolutely right and uh, and that's a, that's that's almost a, a, a you know a marketing man's dream that kind of thing to say that the fact that he came up with it wow brilliant 
He's really great. Brilliant. He's, he makes it makes he me go. Great. Yeah, makes me. He go. is absolutely great. He's brilliant, yeah. isn't he? It yeah. makes you realise with somebody like that at the helm, you know, in comparison with with even with previous really excellent. I, it, it's a personality. It was the spikiness of Mourinho. We didn't, you know, you get fed up with, and the and the almost the the, the pleasant the pleasant attitude of um, of um, uh, oh, God, bloody name setting it up. Um, our previous manager, Italian manager. Um, um, well, which one? Uh, Di Matteo, Conte, Sarri, or uh, Ancelotti? Ancelotti. Or Ranieri. Yeah. He was Italian too. Yeah, they all were. Yeah, come to think of it. Yeah, but they were all foreign, weren't they? I mean, I'm not advocating that. I've gone on too long here. We should say hello to Dean. But I'm not advocating, uh, you know, it's great to have a British manager, but it's great to have somebody really on the ball like Frank. It really is phenomenal. Dean, lovely, lovely to Dean's on it as well. So you should introduce him, Chuch. I should, Sorry, shouldn't I? Really, uh, get, I just want to finish that. Of just want to finish that off by saying, uh, Frank makes me moist. Actually, so there you go. Um, anyway, <laughs> yeah, but which part of you, Chuch? All, all of me. All of me. All of me. Anyway, uh, enough. Enough of that. We should move on because for the about bloody time we've been trying to get Dean on the show for ages and ages and ages. Dean Mears, the legend that is Dean Mears. How are you? Evening, good to be back. Yeah, it's lovely to have you back, mate. How have you been? Yeah, very busy, but um, very happy. Even in defeat, I'm happy. Good man, that's what I like to hear. I mean, you know, we have conversed on the uh, the medium of Twitter, and I always watch out for uh, Dean's tweets. Uh, Dean has a very wry sense of humour. Anybody, Any of you who follow Dean on Twitter will be very, very aware. So no doubt that will transfer to... Uh, the show tonight, which, in fact, on the show tonight, uh, we try and figure out whether we're downhearted or uplifted by Chelsea's 2-1 defeat to City. In part two, we ask, should Reese James command a regular place at right-back with Asby on the left? Uh, and should we be worried about Kepper? And can it be fixed with a different goalkeeping coach? And what improvements do Chelsea need to compete with the likes of City and Liverpool? And is Frank right to say we're coming? In part three, we read out this week's emails, but we also will reveal the winner of the Art of Football Frank Lampard t-shirt competition, which uh, we went into last week. And in part four, we reveal the winners of the Who Knows Wins Match Predictions League this weekend, uh, which I, I, will, I will tease now and say I had an absolute shocker. Anyway, to wrap up, we have a look ahead to Wednesday night's crucial Champions League match against Valencia. Busy, busy, busy as always. Now, uh, don't forget, you can listen to the show live every Monday at 7 o'clock by going to Mixler, which is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast, where you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page. And of course, you can also tweet at Chelsea fancast during the show to tell us what you think about the games and anything else you like. And sometimes on Chelsea as well. We don't mind. Uh, now, talking of Mixler, uh, a quick shout out to the lovely people who are in the house. Uh, Touring Blue, if she don't come, Monyaki, familiar faces, Benjito, uh, Dean Mears. He's in Mixler too. There you go. You can hear Dean and, and uh, you can message him all at the same time. Uh, Bert Stoltz, Kurt, the lovely Claire McConnell, uh, the uh, very naughty uh, Mark uh, Aurelius 13. Uh, there you go. There's loads of people in there. Chris M, Rob Coombe, Jack CFC. Oh, they're all in there. Sevman26, Yaroslav Blue. I have a feeling we might be seeing Yaroslav uh, at the West Ham match at the weekend. No doubt he can inform me of that. Albert the Second, Benny the Blue, Ida59, and many more besides. So good, as always, to have you in with us this evening. Do enjoy the show. I hope you do. Anyway, after this very short break, we'll be talking about the Man City match.
right. I mean, so much to talk about, of course. Big match and all of that. Um, my first question, uh, really, you know, we, we were talking all, all last week about, you know, what Frank would do. And actually, we got an element of it right, which was uh, <clears throat> Jorginho, Kovacic and Kante starting in midfield, which I really thought he was bound to do. Um, but we weren't sure. I wasn't sure at any rate. Uh, it, you know, if if Mount would be pushed further up at the expense of one of the wingers, as it happened, it was Mount that didn't get a start, and Pulisic and Willian uh, started. I have no issue with that. Um, at, the, at the time, you know, I, I clearly missed all this and the excitement on Friday because my first thought when I saw the bench was that. Uh, but why is Pedro on the bench and no Hudson Odoi? And then I subsequently found out that Hudson Odoi had an injury, um, so that kind of completely, you know, stupidly kind of kiboshes what I was going to say. But that I understand. I think the reality is, given um, how well we did at the beginning of the match, Jonathan, that actually Frank got the selection right. Um, yeah, I, I, I think he did. Um, uh, but when Mount came on, you 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 saw the difference, didn't you? It, it was weird um, seeing him come on and then be so energetic, uh, which is something that Pulisic... Um, doesn't uh, contribute to the side. And yet, I thought Pulisic had a very good first half. Agreed. I thought the team was was terrific. Agreed. Until un, until they got those um, uh, fluky goals. Well, the Maris goal was great, obviously, um, and unfortunate. But the, uh, the, the Bruyne goal was just a complete fluke and actually against the, uh, the run of play. But they, they have the same quality that we've got, of course, City, of just looking you know, inexorable going forward. So in a sense, you shouldn't be surprised if they're going to nick a goal out of absolutely nothing. But he looked very dangerous all the way through the game, De Bruyne, um, just because he's got such a good right foot, hasn't he? It's uh, An it's educated right foot. Very educated, yes. You know, you know what? Well, I, I, before I before the show, it. before the show, I just happened to catch this totally by accident, but... Uh, <clears throat> Michael Cox, who uh, does a lot of very good tactical writing, had a piece on the Athletic, and and he made a very interesting comparison between our midfield and their midfield. And what what he was saying was that we, you know, we absolutely, as you said, J.K., we went toe to toe with them, but their reluctance, and I say their meaning Silver and De Bruyne in particular, and Sterling didn't really press us much and we therefore exploited the space uh, that they were leaving behind them very very effectively the the best example of that was the uh, the one two between Kovacic and Jorginho which yes. led to to Kante's goal but actually what happened in the second half was that uh, well actually in a sense before we get to that I mean we were a vic- you know we, we we kind of created our own downfall down uh, falling away because we were so comfortable doing that that by giving the ball away they were ex- able to exploit the the space that we were leaving behind very very interesting i mean dean you, you, you i know you, you you know you you i mean jonathan and i talk a good game but i think you actually probably understand tactics a bit better than us because we're old you know isn't that true jonathan <laughs> so i mean dean i mean what did what did you what did you make of that dean yeah, big build-up. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think you know, you're right. They they didn't want to press Jorginho and Kovacic, and that's how they got that space, especially in the first half. Uh, I read the piece you're referring to, and it seemed like City were unsure whether they were playing 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1, and their midfields were being dragged wide. And I think that was an element of what Lampard was doing, especially with 
like the runs Kante was making. And when you give someone like Jorginho time and like Kovacic time on the ball, then they can they can hurt you. And they did with the Kante goal. And in fact, both City goals come from situations where we're trying to play a through a through ball, and unfortunately, it just gets blocked by the defender, and instantly. That's the quality of City. They're on the attack, and that's how they scored both goals. You know, you know that, first, that first, I think it might have been the first goal, Dean, but we, we had actually had something like 30, 40 passes before, you know, I think Jorginho, was it, this is the one where Jorginho passed up towards Abraham and Fernandinho nicked in and, and, and basically picked his pocket. But we, I mean, we, were, we had so much possession and we're keeping the ball and keeping it alive. It, 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 it seemed almost very rude of City to score in that circumstance, if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, if you showed somebody who hadn't watched football before the game and asked two were the defending champions, I don't think many people would have picked City out of the two teams. I thought the big difference with actually was, I thought, Fernandinho, who was completely remarkable. He had a remarkable performance. He, he Every single time he made a challenge, he got the ball. And he, he seemed to be uh, the kind of classy difference because he was breaking up attacks. And because he's a midfielder, he was then just uh, providing a really incisive pass as well. And uh, I know they were all complaining. They were not complaining. They were suggesting on the telly, why was he picking Fernandinho when he was a midfielder? Well, well, the reality is, of course, that he he plays better there than uh, um, since they've lost Laporte. He's he's the go-to because uh, uh, who is it isn't... um, uh, Stones hasn't been playing terribly well, and who's the other one that was there? Was it Otamendi? Otamendi, yeah. But he played played Stones, didn't he? And I I, I mean, you know... I think they did all right. I mean, I, I, I mean, we'll talk about this later. But I thought actually, what City did in the second half, they, they, they were very clever tactically. But before we get to that, I mean, you were talking about uh, Mount and and uh, Jorginho, I think earlier on, J.K. and I, I yeah. thought they made quite a good point on match of the day, which uh, I mean, Jorginho did tire uh, in the second half. No surprise there because he put in a massive shift for Italy in the week. Uh, so quite understandable. But they kind of made the point that maybe in big games. Uh, you know, when we're under, when we're likely to be under a bit more pressure, somebody well, Kante should perhaps go in, go more central, uh, and Mount should perhaps come in because uh, you know Kante has that ability to get back, and of course, you know both of those goals, you know we were we were we were caught in possession effectively, and Jorginho struggled yeah. to get back. I mean, I, I don't mean to sound like I'm having a go at Jorginho because I think he's been a revelation this year, and he's been absolutely fundamentally the one that makes us tick but I thought that was an interesting point nevertheless JK um I I, I think one of the the problems is is this the amount of um, speed the amount of energy that is expended by the team in order to keep everything going the press and the uh, um, and the slick passing I would I would say that that he even he doesn't play Kante in a position at the moment to uh um, to protect anybody, does he? He almost plays him Sarri-like, Frank. He just lets him get but he on. Still, with he it still gets he back. He still. I mean, you know, I think Frank expects his midfielders and even his attackers at times to get back, and I think that they do. Kante's very good at that. He's not then deliberately playing in that position, is he? No, no, he's not playing no, no. as a defence, which no. is something that uh, under Mourinho he. Um, uh, he initially no, under Conte, I should say, he initially did, didn't he? That was his position. I don't think he plays um, a defensive midfielder per se. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call Jorginho. I wouldn't say that he's playing as a defensive midfielder. He's he's playing very much as a. I'm not going to say the word regista, but he's very much like a yeah. quarterback. It's more like the more, if you like, like like how Fabregas play for us, Dean. Would you would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. The job of 
Jorginho is to get the ball and to recycle possession and put us on the front foot. And if you take him out of there and put someone like Kante in there for all of Kante's qualities, they're different to Jorginho's. Yeah. All you're asking for is then the opposition to have the ball and for you to sit there and try and break up attacks. And that's not what Frank wants the team to play like. Yeah, and that's I think it will never happen. Uh, yeah, and I, I I love it. I mean, it's been successful. I, I I absolutely love the fact, J.K., that it was a combination of uh, you know Kovacic and Jorginho and Kante that scored that goal. I, I think that was absolutely what you want to see. I don't care who it is that breaks the lines to get on the end of it, as long as one of them does occasionally. And I and I and I'm just so delighted for Kante to get that goal. Actually, he 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 deserves it in my book. Yeah, no, no. Fact- we were at cross purposes. I was talking about Kante rather than Jorginho as being the player that you'd have thought Frank would have him further back so that he could break up the attack, break up any attacks. But he doesn't. He just has him playing in exactly the same way that I said that, that under that under Sarri, which is that he doesn't really care where he is. He just plays. Um, but yeah, it, it makes great sense to me that if that's the case, that anybody who's in a position to get forward will will be the focal point which is so much what the, the, the attacking side of the team is about. I have to say, I think that, that we mustn't forget the, the contribution of Kovacic here, I think has similarly been a complete yeah. revelation. revelation. Yeah. The revelation, the, the two, the way that they pass the ball out of situations where there are four or five people around them is quite phenomenal. And of course leads to the, um, the fact that there are five players out of position, and then they've got more with, with which to uh, to weave their magic. So uh, it's a very healthy setup there. I think, as you said earlier on, there are there are just a, about two or three positions in the team that could be uh, um, improved, and oh, then we'll have a really yeah, fantastic yeah. side. We're going to get onto that. We I know, will indeed. So. We will indeed. Um, just before we move on, I just have to say to Benny the Blue on Mixler just to keep him happy, the Regista. All right, Benny, that's made you happy, I believe. Anyway, um, anyway, look, as Dean was alluding to a minute ago, you know, there was not a lot in this game, really. And I think Frank made that point very eloquently afterwards. You know, we were not humped by any means. But at that level, as I alluded to in the intro, um, you know, you A, you'll get punished for your mistakes and B, you have to be more clinical. Let's, let's talk about the mistakes first. We, you know, both of their goals really... You know, it came as a result of us giving the ball away, and they are lethal when they hit you on the counter. Um, I certainly think, you know, actually, to be honest, both goals I thought were poor defending. Um, I don't think they particularly covered themselves in glory. I mean, I know it was a bit lucky De Bruyne getting the deflection, but that shot could have been closed down. And I think uh, to allow Mares to to cut in onto his favoured left foot was criminal, frankly, Dean. But maybe I'm being a bit harsh. Um, no, I don't think so. I think Frank would pick that out as well. You know, the one thing he does on the right is coming on the left. So the one thing you do is stop that happening. That's why I was a bit um, surprised that he didn't pick Asby at the left to to counter that. And well, indeed. Well, he, of course he right did, back. didn't he? He did. He, he kind of swapped him in the second half. But more more of that later. I'll tell you what, though, Dean. I was having kittens because, I mean, they were brilliant. And they actually, the irony is they didn't actually get caught out at all. But apart from uh, apart from Kepa walloping the ball, or should I say passing it to Aguero, but the number of times they were playing intricate kind of one-twos in the penalty area, I tell you, mate, I was freaking out. But it, they got away with it. Yeah, I mean, it's a continuation from the good stuff of last season, um, if you ignore the bad, um, that we play the ball very well from goalkeeper to defence to midfield to attack and it's just 
synchronising those with what Frank wants them to do. Uh, you know, like you said, we're coming, so it's coming closer. Yeah. Um, one or two additions, and I think, you know, I think City left the pitch knowing that soon this team is really going to change. Did you did you give you heart attacks, JK, like me? Uh, completely and utterly. But, <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> I thought but, it might. But, but at the same time, it's only excuse me only happening because they're pressing so much. And um, as we know, if three or four of them are pressing and you can actually pass out of that situation, you're in a position to to start an attack. So um, if it can be done. A hundred percent of the time, without an appalling error by either the goalkeeper or the the two most susceptible appear to be Tamori and Kepper, um, uh, which and, surprises uh, me actually. Yeah, yeah. Well, Kepper not so much, I think, because he, he his head isn't quite in it for me at the moment, as we'll get on to. But uh, um, Tamori, um, uh, Tamori is a real is a class act. Bloody hell. Um, some of the tackles he does and the speed he's got, you can see why Frank's selecting him. He's uh, ahead of Christensen. He really is top boy. But occasionally, he just has a moment where something He's a brain fart, doesn't he? He switches off, doesn't he? And he either yeah. under-hits it or just hits it too wide or doesn't isn't is looking at someone else. But it, it depends. It's the degree to which they're being pressed. You know, City do that. They did it in surges. Sometimes they didn't do it. Sometimes they're really on top of you. And uh, which I think is quite clever because it means occasionally you're you think oh they're not doing it anymore and then of course they are next attack you know it's a it's a deliberate ploy from them it's not a it's not an aberration they have they occasionally haven't they have, not that they've forgotten about it they're going we don't need to press this one it probably comes from the side he probably says no stop it now then go go for it you know it's mm. it's 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 tactics good point um, but um, but I, I um, uh, yeah no it, it freaks me out Chidge and at the same time. Part of me tolerates it because I see what they're trying to do, but um, and the, as I say, the best exponents of it are, um, are uh, Jorginho and Kovacic, who from minute little areas seem to get the ball with a toe poke to a player, and it's wonderfully skillful. And they are really, really skillful players. Uh, and I'm pleased that we've been allowed to see what Kovacic is really like. And, and because, Jorginho, uh, mate. Oh, and no, Jorginho. Well, no, I'm accepting Jorginho. I'm accepting. And and the, the Jorginho cheers never... They give me a lump in my throat every time just because you of get the... get a bit of moche. I do, because of the fact that they, he was treated so badly last year. And the fact that within, you know, just two seasons, he's become a hero. And he is a hero. Yeah. And I can, I, I can see him, you know, he's, he's clearly a world-class player, yeah. as was established at the very beginning. So yeah. we no longer can we say we've only got one world class player. We've got two world class yeah. players, and Kovacic is on the verge of becoming another one. I'm, I'm they, loving him. It, yeah, they, they are wonderful. They're wonderful to watch as well. It's joyous, joyous I think, stuff. I think yeah, except not, when he gives the ball away. Except well, when yeah, gives yeah ball but away. you know, shit happens, man. I mean, they're not yeah. robots. You know, they're going to make mistakes. Indeed. We all Indeed. make mistakes. Uh, the, as I said, I think the point being is that. At this level, when you're playing against the absolute best sides, you get punished for them, and that's therein yeah. lies the trouble. And I think actually on that point, uh, Dean, uh, you know, as I said, I mean, we, as Jonathan was saying as well, and, and you, you know, we did give it a go, and we, I think we had them really worried actually because they absolutely had to change tactically. But the the reality is, you got to be more clinical up front, and if you're playing against a really, really, really good side, not only will they punish your mistakes you have to punish theirs. You've got to bury those chances because you won't get many. And I think. You know, we 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 are slightly, you know, slightly light. I, I mean, I'm not having a dig at Tammy Abraham because I think he's been phenomenal as well. But 
You know, you've got to take your chances when you get them. William was culpable for a couple as well, you know. And I think that's the difference. That's really the difference between us and Liverpool and City at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. That was the only difference, really, at the weekend. William had a great chance, uh, a couple of great chances um, to score. And unfortunately, they just go wide or just go over. And, and Tamari as well three. from the corner. That, that was close. That Tamari yeah. had. Yeah, oh. and, and one where uh, Kante had a pullback to Kante and it yeah. hits the yeah. defender but goes wide, whereas yeah. that's it, the defender goes in and that's and that's it. And in fact, so, interesting, interestingly enough, with all those examples, I mean, Tamori's, you know, that was close. I wouldn't say that was an error. Williams volley that was close you know I mean he could have done better maybe but I think that was a pretty good effort and Kante should have been in the goal if it hadn't been for Fernandinho so you could hardly say that was an error no it's, it's about um you know those chances and that bit of luck going for you in the way yeah. that it did for City totally right totally right so there we go I think in answer to the question that I never asked I don't think we are downhearted I, I, I am actually quite encouraged by that uh, and there'll be uh, more reasons for that when we uh, talk about it in part two. But we're going to kick off part two talking about Reese James, actually, and whether he should now actually make the right-back spot his own with Aspie going to the left. Uh, also, we're going to have a chat about Kepper, because uh, although I don't want to be down on Kepper, there's there's something not quite right at the moment, and I've heard a lot of comments about the goalkeeping coaches. Uh, and also, we'll pick up on what we've just been talking about, really, which is what improvements do we need if we are going to compete with the likes of City and Liverpool, and, uh, and therefore, as a consequence, is Frank right to say we're coming? We'll be back very soon. Fans, real I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Welcome back. Uh, it's Stanford Chidge here, and you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast. I've got the wonderful Mr. Jonathan Kidd whoop, whoop, whoop. and the wonderful Dean Mears. Evening. Who we have not heard from for far too long. Great to have you back on the show, Dean. Uh, now, uh, talking of Dean, actually, who's uh, one of our main contributors to the ChelseaFanCast.com website. So make sure you go and check it out. De- Dean has his own column there. He's that important. And he always writes some very fabulous stuff. So do check that out. Right. Um, a minute ago, before the break, I was talking about Rhys James. And, uh, you know, we again debated this, in fact, uh, last week, uh, saying, you know, maybe it's time that uh, that James comes in uh, to play right back, which meant I mean, a bit like how we ended up against Ajax, which I thought worked very, very well. Aspie went back to the to the left. We know he's more than capable of playing there. James was on the right, uh, which would basically bench Alonso and Emerson. Now, to be really honest, and uh, uh, without sounding like a complete and utter idiot and hypocrite, I had no problem with the fact that that Frank started with Aspie and Emerson. Um, I did wonder whether it was a bit too much of a big game to to kind of land. James in it but yet again JK he comes on and he just looks like a man born to it well Frank obviously decided that uh, it wasn't working with um, Aspie and Emerson didn't he that's why he took Emerson off Um, and I got the impression that he was being roasted a bit Um, I couldn't work out what player it wasn't Sterling because Sterling was um, uh, Sterling was quiet wasn't he Uh, Aspie kept him quiet Indeed, I was going to say whether that was down to him or whether that was down to the fact that we were playing so well um, and they weren't getting the ball very much. But uh, 
On the left, on the, the on our left hand side, who was their right winger then? Who was coming down there? Mares. Of course, it was. Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, he decided that um, he was, but he was, he was, he was quiet as well in the first half. But then, uh, obviously, the goal. Um, perhaps he blamed him for the goal. I mean, you know, from from it, it, not wishing to uh, you know talk about my sources, but he's got a problem with Emerson apparently. Go and on, so, is this a Ron's rumor? We need to, we need a jingle for this, don't we? Every time you come up with this, I need to go <laughs> Ron's rumors or something like that. Ron's you rumors. Know, uh, funny, that's exactly what you should. That's exactly it, Chidge. Ron's rumors. Well, no, I think I, I I said this the other day that he'd said that Emerson has asked for more money because Emerson wants wants away. Emerson isn't enjoying playing for the side, and Why? and wants away. So he specifically asked for for some more money, which won't be won't be given to him. I don't think that's a a reason for not playing him. Why does he Why does he that, want away? Why does he want away? Who Who on earth would want to leave Chelsea at this time? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I shall. I try and find out from uh, from Ron. Is he fucking but, mad or what? Uh, perhaps he doesn't like not being first choice or not sure whether well, he's, he's he, he be pretty in much or not. is. He pretty he much is, is actually, at the moment. Yeah, I mean, he yeah, could yeah, be. Yeah, he yeah, could be. Yeah, you'd, you know, you'd have thought so. You'd have thought so, but. Um, that's that's the story that I was told anyway. So um, let's Bloody see. Brazilians. Let's see how it, I think Although, it's also it's also dependent on the on the transfer ban being lifted. I get the impression from the way they've been talking. And Bruce Buck made this pronouncement, didn't he, saying um, that money would be made available, that thus making sure that everybody had twenty five million well, added to the price. Zillions, zillions, apparently. Zillions is what he said. Yeah, that I think they they feel that they're going to get a very positive response. To the um, uh, to the, the transfer ban being lifted, um, I just get that the fact that there is this discussion about targets, because otherwise they would they'd be stum, wouldn't they? They'd be quiet about it. So I suspect in January we will see a, um, not an upheaval, but we will see a um, a major movement, and this would also help if we were in the uh, um, in the next round of the Champions League, because then we could. We could build upon the the excellence of this start that we've had under Frank. Apart so from it, the fact beginning... that, well, hang on a minute. You see, if we yeah. stupidly, I just took a massive intake on my vape and uh, then tried to speak, which is a bit stupid of me. But I was so excited by what you said, J.K. I just had to interject. <laughs> the point being that, uh, well, number one, very, very you very rarely get a good signing in January because if you want yeah. really real quality, you want people who are playing in the Champions League, and of course they'll be cup tied, won't they? Unless you go for Ben Chilwell. Indeed. Indeed. I think he is the... Uh, um, everybody keeps talking about him in a positive way rather than, a, than in a, this isn't going to happen. So yeah. perhaps the feelers have been put out. I don't know what his... I think he's signed till 2022 or something, isn't he? So if they'd just have to give him up at a huge amount of money. It's a case of, you know, if, if Bruce Frank says to Bruce Buck, this is one of our weak areas. And also the other aspect about the... Uh, the, the goalkeeping thing. Well, just that, before we get on, yeah, we're going yeah. on to Kepa. No, just as they could buy somebody um, to put pressure on on Kepa, um, who, who may be even playing in Europe at the moment, because there are some really decent Premier League goalkeepers um, who, uh, you know, you think, well, actually, they might, they might, they might be a possible replacement, or at least be somebody to have an option rather well, than um, Caballero, got- who, though, though lovely, isn't quite in the necessary class yeah, sorry well, what were you going to say well I've got a theory on that which I'm going to I'll bring in a bit later but I, I, before okay. be, before we do Dean um, you know I, I've got to be honest I shall, I shall stick my 
colours to the mask now, but I, I absolutely think that James has got to start on the right and Asby on the left from now on. I mean, those are our two best fullbacks, so they've got to be accommodated and played. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, I was surprised that he didn't go with James, especially after the game he had against Crystal Palace. Yeah, I thought that was going to be enough. Um, looking at it, I thought maybe he was just worried a bit about pace down and City's right. That's why he went with Emerson. Unfortunately, he just didn't turn up. And he's had to change it during the game, which obviously disappointing for him. It loses him a substitution. Ooh, James isn't slow. Yeah, James would have been on the right and Asby on the left. Yeah, but... Um, yeah. I know yeah. Asby's not slow, but... Um, but Asby, I mean, Asby looked after... Hang on, let's just get this right. Uh, Sterling. Sterling, yeah. Asby was looking after Sterling because Asby was on the left. Mares was on the right. So, you know, it, nothing... Well, OK, so... Let me just... Yeah, so, yeah, OK, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, As Mares. I mean, Mares isn't 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 the... the, the qu- I mean, I'd say Sterling was quicker than Mares. Bottom line, Dean, I think... And the writing's on the wall, isn't it? He's got to play Aspie and and uh, and James. Yeah, I think when Emerson drops a performance like that, um, that's that's it for him. You know, Frank always says they play on on form and how they do in training. And once James comes into the side, you know, I think he'd done enough against Crystal Palace to start against Manchester City, and I won't see him getting back outside. And you won't drop Asby as as captain either. So. Uh- yeah, I think no, to be well, fair to Emerson, his stats have been quite good, haven't they, this season? But uh, he he was uh, he was poor against City, and, and uh, um, it, I agree completely that uh, you need to have James a class act, and uh, and in which case the best the best um, fullback to play with James is is Dave. Mm. It, well, you, it, I think it, Dave's you know again. After a bit of a shaky start this season, J.K., I think he's come come into his own. He's the pl- I mean, you know, the great thing about Aspilicueta is what you get out of him is consistency. You know, when when he's on his game and he's at it, he's he's always a seven out of ten. A bit like Paolo Ferreira back yeah. in the day. He's not going to let you down. And he and I think he's you know he's, he might not be the most vocal captain, but I don't I don't think that matters. I think I think. In a sense, uh, you know, Aspi leads by example. I think he's he's a very tenacious player. You know, and I—I I don't think he has to be screaming and shouting at everybody. I think he—I think he really cares deeply for this club. I, it was really interesting. I—I I was at the um, the Chelsea, you know, Foundation's anti-Semitism, uh, you know, event last week at the Imperial War Museum, and, and Petr Cech and Aspi were there. And he's an incredibly measured individual, I think, Aspi Liquid. I got a huge amount of respect for him actually, and I think he commands respect in the club. And I think as yeah. a captain, that's what you, you want. Anyway, I just want to move this on. Uh, we had a quick chat about... Go on, no, no, of course you can. Of course you can. I think he's an 8 out of 10. I think he's really much better, much better player than Ferreira ever was. Well, there you and go. And he, he did a block in that game against City that was absolutely brilliant. Totally um, right. He was... Yeah. And so yeah. I'm, 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 I think he's... he's he, and uh, and we always... It, it, the stutter he had at the beginning of the season, he's got rid of completely. Yeah, yeah. And well, I think it yeah. would... Uh, Worked brilliantly to have James and him playing left back, which I think may be a situation that um, uh, is going to take place because of Emerson's lack of commitment and because the manager doesn't rate Alonso anymore. Well, I'll tell you what, though, mate. You know, nobody will ever better Paolo Ferreira's hair. No, no. And the fact that so many women fancied him. Well, I fancy him and I'm not a woman, so, you know, he must be that good. Anyway, look, I want to quickly talk about Kepa. Um, I, I... you know, it's very quick. I mean, it's really funny actually because I was writing because I was watching it at home. I was writing notes during the game, and I immediately went absolutely apeshit. Um, 
after Aspie, uh, you know, uh, failed to stop Sterling's goal that was ruled off uh, for offside. God knows why, but it was. Um, and I, and the reason I did was I thought it was really, really weak hands again. Not the first time we've seen it. So I did go kind of jumping off the deep. And I, I then sat back and reflected a bit because, you know, I, I think it's really unfortunate with goalkeepers, isn't it? You know, it's easy to always highlight their mistakes because their mistakes usually cost you goals. And it's there for all to see. But I do think, I do think that he's had a dip in form. I, I, I don't think there's any harm in saying that. And I, I keep hearing a lot about this, about the coaching. Now, I'm not entirely sure. Somebody, one of our Mixler people who are always on it, will tell me. I'm under the impression that Hilario's the goalkeeping coach, although some people were telling me on Twitter that it's still Lolishon. And Lolishon, of course, was Petr Cech's goalkeeping coach, so he couldn't have been too shabby. I'm not convinced that Hilario's the greatest goalkeeping coach ever. But I wonder if there's an issue with that. And remember, Frank uh, Dean once wanted, or perhaps still does want, Shea Given to be the goalkeeping coach. So perhaps there's an issue there. And perhaps that's not helping Kepa, who, I, as I said, I don't think is in particularly good form at the moment. Yeah, I think it's ruminating across the whole defence. And as a goalkeeper, you're only as confident as you know the four people that stand in front of you. Too right. Um, where they've been a bit shaky, I think that's affected him as well. And he, you've got to remember, he's still young, you know, and he's had a change in goalkeeping coach and what he's been told to do. And well, who who is the coach, Dean? Is it Lodishon or is it is it hilarious? I think Hilario is the one on the on the sheet. Uh, I think Lodishon's still at the club. I think he posted a video not long ago. Right, him scoring a, quite a good goal. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think. Frank obviously wants Shay Given, has been reported. So I think it's just it's a bit too up in the air for people to criticise Kepa too much, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, and I'm careful not to stick the boot in because, as I said, I think it's really tough when you're a goalkeeper. And as I said, it's very easy to kind of pour a program on them. Jonathan, one thing occurs to me, you know, if there's an issue about goalkeeping coaches or whatever, we've got the greatest goalkeeper we've ever had, I would argue, even better than Bonetti sitting there in some kind of sinecure role where he doesn't actually do much. Why don't we make use of Petr Cech? That's a very good point, Chidge. Yes, perhaps he's not very good at coaching. Um, he hasn't got any of his badges, has he? Um, perhaps he can't give a few tips because it'll uh, get in the way. But yeah, I agree completely. I, I can't work out what his role is, actually. I saw him the other day coming out the ground um, wearing a tracksuit. So I thought that seemed rather peculiar at the end of a game, considering he's supposed to be a kind of representative. I thought they all wore suits. But uh, uh, no, I, 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 you'd, have thought, you'd have thought perhaps it's happening and we don't know. Because um, as you say, the rumour is that Shea Given is going to be uh, appointed. But um, uh, it's, it's something got to be done, hasn't it? Because uh, um, I felt the same. I felt that that... Sterling shot he should have palmed it round I think one of the other problems is is when you watch somebody like Foster for example um uh who's he playing for at the moment Brighton is he playing no is it who does he play for at the moment Foster Watford Um, Watford, yeah Watford Watford playing out of his skin and um getting to balls and saves that you think that's this is top he's a really top keeper and then we've got somebody that we paid 70 million for who is seemed seeming to just miss 
lots of stuff and they only they'll occasionally do a great save. It's an awful thing, isn't it? When you pay that amount of money and you've got supposedly one of the best goalkeepers in the world, despite his age, you expect them to pull off slightly miraculous saves from time to time. And even watching um, uh, um, De Gea at the weekend, who made two fabulous saves, and you think, all right, one of the header was straight at him. But you think, are we seeing that from Kepa? Well, no, we're not at the moment. We're seeing somebody not really confident. And uh, and we debated this the other day, didn't we, about goalies? that it, you, They don't seem to come out anymore. They seem to be waiting for reaction saves from shots. So so um, he, he appears to be doing neither one thing or the other. So he's not coming for anything. And he's waiting for the centre-half to get it. But as, as you said, Dean, it may be that he's not quite relating to what's going on from the centre-halves and the defence. So it's making him uneasy. So perhaps we're being a little bit um, uh, too critical. But uh, that is the problem, though, is the huge amount of the fee for him. And he's supposed to be one of the best keepers in the world. And uh, we're not seeing that at the moment. So here we are having a discussion about what's going on, you know. And really, we shouldn't be if this is well, he's if he's young. supposed to be so good. Well, once again, though, I, you know... Um, younger keepers. I mean, it's true, though, of course, isn't it? You're supposed to be a top keeper when you're when you're about 35, isn't it? When you've matured into that, because you, you know what to do and what to and how to behave in any circumstance. So perhaps it's uh, perhaps it is to, to, due to his youth. Yeah, but I, I'll um, say I'll say again, J.K. I said this last week. You know, I think I think the the pitch has been decidedly queered by the fact that Petr Cech was so bloody good at the same age. Yeah. You know, I yeah. think we, we got Czech, didn't we, around the same age, and he yeah, just walked exactly. into the first team and he stayed there for 10 years, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I don't know. He's, he's a, a I mean, look, he's a, he's a one-off, isn't he? Let's be honest. But he's got a bigger presence, uh, um, uh, Petr Cech had, yeah. huge presence as well, all the way, which we're not seeing from Kepa. And is it, you know, is it, a, if you say, well, is it a confidence thing? Is it something that does he need to actually believe in himself more I, I, does he need to fill out a bit more I don't know just to give him that kind of you know most many top goalkeepers appear to be you know just slightly bigger like Schmeichel is you know it's this aspect of pulling off a save where you go bloody hell that was phenomenal even he, if, he does do that uh, he, 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 he does well, do saves like that it's that what what bothers me JK is the number of times he you know, Clayton's mentioned this as well. You know, he 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 looks like he's got weak wrists. You know, the number of shots that he gets a hand to and they go in, particularly when they're low on the ground. When when it's a, he's very good. It seems to me to stop these shots that are going to the top corner, and he flies up there and puts it over the bar. You know, Hollywood saves if you like. But I do wonder if there is something about his wrists that are a bit weak. But what do I know? I'm not a bloody coach or a keeper. It's just what I see. Um, look, I think this kind of leads into a very... I've kind of swapped things around a bit, uh, gents. But uh, I think, you know, put in, into the context of what we've been saying, uh, which is, you know, City are a very, very good team. I mean, the league might not be reflecting that, but they're still a fantastic team. And in a sense... The defeat against them does highlight some areas of improvement, which is not really a surprise. Perhaps the keeping area is one. We, we've already talked about the left back and possibly, in, you know, we put James and we put Aspie in as the full backs. Aspie goes to the left, but longer term, maybe we get a chill. Well, I, I, I dare I say it, uh, perhaps we should look at the striker too. Um, and I can conflate both the keeper and the striker because, you know, you've got a very young keeper. Uh, and I think with Tammy, you've got a brilliant striker. I mean, what Tammy has done this season, I don't think any of us predicted that he would do as well. And he looks the real deal and then some. But I do wonder, 
what with Batshuayi coming on and you know being, I, I think I think Batshuayi's middle name is is born offside because. I mean, he was offside nearly every time the ball went forward. He has his moments, but I don't think ultimately he's he, he's good enough to, to lead the Chelsea attack. I think he's a good backup, but that's about it. And it just occurred to me, Giroud doesn't seem to fit the way that we want to play at all. I just don't think he's got the kind of the legs for the, the pressing that Frank wants. But I do wonder if it might be worth, when we're able to, to sign... Um, you know, kind of a, I mean, a bit like an Ibrahimovic, not not him, I hasten to add, but a, a bit like somebody like that, that, that sides like Chelsea, I mean, we did it with Eto not that long ago, you know, a real world-class striker who's been around the block, done it all, scored hatfuls of goals, is coming towards the end of his career, wants a bit of a, a fresh challenge in the Premier League, get him here for a year or two, and he could probably mentor Tammy and and kind of get him up to speed, you know, teach him a few tricks of the trade, like like a like an Eto or, or an Ibrahimovic, you know, some like a a world class striker. I mean, you know, somebody maybe even a Lewandowski, somebody like that, you know, who who needs a a year or two in the Premier League to finish off their career, but who could mentor Tammy. Yeah, I actually think that we need, you know, a world class centre forward now. That's you know at the top of their game. But I, I don't. Good. Hang on a second though. You see, I don't want to jeopardise what we have with Tammy, because I think Tammy absolutely is the real deal, but I think he would benefit from a bit of mentoring. So this is not somebody to supplant Tammy, but to to kind of help him along. You see what I mean? Yeah, I get your point. I just feel you know, with Tammy's age, he's still only sort of 21. If he worked with a top striker for, for three years, and that top striker's 26 to 29, he's still then only 24. And he's coming on having worked with somebody. He's still going to play a lot of matches. We play a lot of games. He's going to get that experience at Chelsea. He's going to have the confidence in the manager and the manager's going to have confidence in him. And he's going to get to learn from somebody at the top of their game. Not that's been at the top and now on their way down. They're at the top. So he sees that firsthand, you know, the level you need to be at week in, week out. And I think, especially in the big games, I think he has gone missing a few times this season. I think he had a better game against City, don't get me wrong. I just feel if we want to start, how long do we want to keep saying we're coming? When are we going to arrive? Is that too soon for for, for Tammy to be the centre forward of the team? Not saying he's not going to be good enough. I think he will be. But how long is that adjustment going to take? But you you, you see that? I mean, I think you get it in one. I mean, you see the difficulty, don't you? Because you know, at the moment, Tammy is uh, I think he's second, uh, the second highest scorer in the Premier League. So he's you know he's doing better than all of the, the you know the, the the big the big heads if you like that are in the league apart from Jamie Vardy so he clearly is good enough and he clearly can do it but I'm just thinking you know just just I don't know I just my guts tell me that just having I mean I think you know like when we bought Eto the other the other uh whenever it was about five years ago now wasn't it you know it was just really good having somebody like that around you know who 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 would just do what they were going to do? They they didn't care. I mean, they just you know they had such big egos. They thought they were the top dog anyway. But then they weren't going to kick up a fuss if they were on the bench for a few weeks because they're getting paid a huge amount of money. They don't really care, you know. And I just thought some sort of a balance like that. I mean, what I'm what I'm really mindful of is I don't, I don't want I don't want to retard Tammy's progress by by making him think. Well, I'm not never going to play at all this season because I'm trying to play. You know, I'm trying to uh, you, you know 
get you know not knock uh, somebody like Lewandowski off his perch or whoever you know you know what I mean and I don't want to get somebody who's younger in their kind of mid-twenties say and an absolute world-class striker because again I think well you know I just got a lot of faith in Tammy that's what I'm saying Dean I'm not making this very clear or very articulate but that's what I'm saying I've got a lot of faith in him but I just think an older experienced striker who's been there done it all might just help help his help his progress quicker yeah, I understand your point. I think, obviously, I don't know if we're going to get January to be able to buy players. You're not going to be able to buy a top-quality striker then anyway. So he's going to have a whole season to, to prove his worth. I mean, he's scored goals this season. The quality of the teams he scored against hasn't been that high. And that's, you know, my worry is that, although, yes, he's a Premier League striker, is he a Champions League-level striker? Is he going to score the goals in the big games? He hasn't done that yet. I'm happy to give him time to work on that. Um, I know, I think Tony said in in Mixler, you know, did did Rooney need that? You know, but they no, didn't because point. they come in and they scored them goal straight away. Yeah, and Tammy hasn't done that yet. And I don't want us to ignore a raging fire behind us, pretending that everything's okay just because Tammy is an academy player. I, you know, I want these kids to come through, but I also want us to to be the best. Yeah, I mean, Benji Toe on, on Mixer as well, he says that isn't that what uh, Giroud was supposed to do? And I agree. I agree, Benji. But I don't think... I don't really... You know, uh, the thing about Giroud is is that, what you know, what we all know about Giroud, he's a, he's a brilliant striker, but, you know, he, he turns about as quickly as, a, as an oil tanker. And I just think he's the wrong... He's the, he's the right striker in terms of what I'm talking about, but the wrong striker in terms of how Frank wants to play. And that, that's what makes him difficult to play. He's brilliant at holding the ball up and getting on the end of, uh, of, of certain chances and scoring worldies as well. But he, he's just not going to give you what Frank needs from the team. But there are world-class strikers out there who I think would be able to do that, or older world-class strikers who would be able to give Frank what he needs in terms of how the team plays, as well as you know mentoring Tammy. But there you go. It's an interesting point. One I thought that was uh, worth uh, you know bringing up. Really, I'm... Um, but yeah. I, but then um, uh, perhaps they. I'm trying to think of who who would be good enough to. I, I think uh, unfortunately for all my my championing of uh, of Bakshwai, um, uh, he was very poor against City, and um, as you say. Um, couldn't deal with uh, with looking to see where he was supposed to be, which uh, was consequently offside all the time. You know, because I've just been saying how he appears to be so improved in the penalty area, but he didn't get a sniff. And you wonder once again whether this is just going into... You, it's almost as if I, I feel we're dealing with, with with the top teams and the rest of the division. And and against... Imani, he was very good against Ajax. But, but uh, so... Uh, Perhaps he just left his um, his talent behind him at the weekend, but it was uh, it didn't all go well, did it? I think, as you said, Chidge, Giroud doesn't fit the plan just because he's not um, not mobile enough. It's not exactly the words I was going to use. He's not mobile enough, despite great goal scoring skill, and uh, as the 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 header in the Europa League final will always be one of the great Chelsea goals for me. Yeah, we really, should... absolutely. Absolutely phenomenal, but he just doesn't fit in Frank's plan. You know what we should and do, I, don't you? you know yeah, we, should, we should put in a cheeky bid for Aguero because <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. That kind of a striker, that kind of age, you know. 
I agree, but you wonder who, um, but you wonder whether, in fact, it, it, that's who would they go for, given they don't want anybody cup tied and um, and anybody who's who's really uh, rather than somebody in the twilight of their career. You've got one; it's Giroud, but he's not. He's clearly not the the right kind of uh, um, of teacher. Um, I don't know who you could have. Who was it? Kevin well, Phillips? mate, I tell you, it, it's it's that Mixler's going absolutely bonkers about this. There you go, and you would pick yeah, on a, a good idea great. here. Uh, Pete Four too, who's a bit of a wag, obviously not not as in a, a a wife and girlfriend, as in a comedic sort of a chap. He says uh, Costa with a smiley face. <laughs> uh, and uh, Michael Gibbon says something that's absolutely brilliant. He says, "I would vote for Manzukic." Chidge, not exactly a massive overall goalkeeper, but he goal scorer even. But he's been around the block and he would largely fit Frank Stone. Actually, that's not a bad shout at all, Michael. Benny the Blue, I love Benny the Blue, but you, he said Lorente. No, can't see that, mate. Seriously, you know he wasn't even good enough for Spurs. Uh, and uh, Benjito says Diego Costa. No, that ship seriously sailed, mate. I think. Um, but there are a few out there. I think it's interesting. It's just a work. Well, I just thought it was an interesting point to debate. And I'm going to move it on. Um, talking uh, really uh, before we get into is Frank Wright and the fact that, that we're coming. I mean, what I thought was really interesting, I mean, t- just tactically, actually, I think that if there was a difference between the two sides, and I think this, this really does shine a light on Frank's we're coming comments that I think, I mean, I know we've talked about the mistakes and we talked about the not being clinical enough, but I think actually really what counted was the fact that we were outdone by a more experienced side who have more tactical nows. And I think that's what they did in the second half. I thought all this kind of nonsense about we had more possession uh, against City on Saturday than anybody has against a Pep Guardiola, Pep Guardiola side was was interesting, but ultimately nonsense. Because I actually think, you were you were kind of saying this, one of you two were, you'll, you'll tell me in a minute which one of you it was, but I thought City kind of sucked us in on a bit of a rope-a-dope in the second half. They pressed us a lot higher and they squeezed the, the space, but they just kind of sat in and waited for us to make a mistake and then they would try and kill us on the break. I thought they were very, very clever with that and that showed a lot of tactical nows. And, you know, conflating this with what Frank's saying about we're coming... City are three, four years into the project. Liverpool are three, four years into the project. We are three or four months. So to have got this far, this quickly, I think is astonishing. When you consider how absolutely humped we got by City last season with a much more experienced team, you know, I, I think it really, you know, I hate losing, but you've got to say, what a, what a, what a, what a great great sign of progress in a sense. I think I think Frank's right. I think we're not far away, John. A thud. Yeah, a, a thud, yeah. A thud. But at the same time, at the same time, the the schoolboy in me um, liked the fact that we you know we we won six in a row and uh, wanted to maintain it. And uh, consequently, I was upset yeah. at the very end of the game. Show and, me somebody uh, who and, doesn't like winning, and I'll show you a loser. Yeah, yeah. Totally, and, I agree. And, I agree. And, and, and if there'd been a cat about and I wasn't allergic to them, I'd have kicked it. And uh, um, no, I wouldn't do that. I love them too much. But you know what I mean? I would have found uh, because I was so annoyed. And I thought, oh, God, bloody hell, we're not good enough. Are we out? And then I had to sit myself down and go, no, hang on. It's great. We've done marvellously. Work in progress. Transfer ban. 
brought the youth in, come on, Jonathan, don't be put off, don't be upset by this, but I don't like losing, and I don't like losing to Guardiola, and I don't like losing to City. So um, it was difficult to get rid of those feelings. But yes, what has been achieved in a short space of time with a young squad and no major signings is indeed brilliant. And the club, as you've said, is totally revitalised with Frank and Jody at the helm, and it's great. And this is a great position to be in. And uh, if we'd had a bit of luck, we wouldn't be having this conversation because we'd have beaten them. But yeah, possibly they sat back. But I just felt um, uh, I felt we ran out of steam a little bit in the second half. And you have to remember that, that what Frank wants us to do requires a huge level of fitness, which the others have achieved and they do it well. But, uh, and they, but they're used to it. They're used to playing this way. They've, they've only been playing this way for how many months it is, four months. And I think we'll still, we'll still steamroller over everybody else in the division. The only teams we've got problems with at the moment are top four. And even I think we'll beat United away at Old Trafford. I think we've just been unfortunate when we played them. But uh, um, no, I'm, I, it, is a, it is a wonderful season we're observing. And it's the beginning, as Frank says, of a big thing. We are indeed coming. It's great. Indeed. Uh, Dean, your thoughts on the same? Yeah, I mean, for me, in many ways, it was the perfect result because we had a bit of a shaky start to the season and then we built this momentum, six wins. We're in the top four. We're, we're close to City. People are getting a bit excited about the whole situation. And then we go to the Etihad, we put in a very good performance, but we, we come away without any points and we've lost. And although we're doing, we're doing really well, you know, there's still stuff to do. And that just resonates that point that, there's still work to do you know we are still we're still coming but it's still going to take time and we shouldn't get carried away remember where we are in our process compared to City Liverpool mm, yeah and and a few of the others to besides actually that's a really really good point I mean the reality is I, I never expected us to be in the top bloody four this season so I, we've already exceeded my expectations uh, but good work chaps and well done for being uh, reborn like a phoenix from the ashes Jonathan and long, <laughs> long may it continue listen I just want to take this a bit left field because there was a bit of news this week which kind of uh, piqued my interest uh, which was um, another photo of uh, Ross Barkley being decidedly scouse at a nightclub in Dubai with his top off uh, how, how disgraceful um, but I mean look in, in all seriousness uh, look, he's he's a young man, he's single, he's entitled to go and have some fun, but he keeps doing this, and I just wonder how much patience Frank will have with him. I mean, it's, you know, for a kid who's got all that talent and, you know, really should be busting his bollocks to, 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 to try and get into the side, knowing how difficult it will be to break into Chelsea's very, very, very good midfield at the moment, also mindful of the fact that, uh, Loftus Cheek has yet to come back. Mindful of the fact that Mount couldn't even get in the side on Saturday, you would have thought that perhaps you know going off on a jolly to Dubai uh, is not exactly the, the right impression that he's kind of setting with Frank. I mean, let's be honest here. Frank's got history on this. I mean, you know, early on in his career, he was prone to go off and get a bit shit faced in places where he shouldn't, and and he learned his lesson and knuckled down. Maybe Ross Barkley should take a leaf out of Frank's book, J.K. Well, poor old Ross, when you think about it, he's, well, lost yeah. his England, he's lost his England place, hasn't he, as well, because he was an automatic choice and he didn't get a sniff in the two games because he's so keen, isn't he, um, 
the manager, <laughs> um, Southgate, to uh, to put in people who are, are playing well in their in their clubs. And if he's not getting a chance to play in the club, then um, clearly his response is to go and boogie, go and boogie on down. And I don't, I think he's given up now because I don't think he has a future. I think he's he's you know he's he's seen the way the uh, where the ball has bounced, the way the cookie has crumbled. And um, I don't think he's going to make an effort because uh, where does he fit in now? Let's be honest, you know, Mount's going to play ahead of him. Pulisic's going to play ahead of him. Um, if Kante's back in, then you've got, uh, there's there's really no space for him. He's not even going to get in on the bench. So perhaps he's seen it and given up. Mm. But yes, it, it's completely ridiculous, isn't it? The top man being played, football and being played, paid, I don't know how much he's getting a week, 70,000 a week, more, 100,000 a week. And then to this constant, you can't do this partying business. So you're getting pissed all the time and you're, and you're off in a club. And this is now, the previous one was in Liverpool, wasn't it, when he said he didn't have any money and the police had to take him to a, um, a hole in the wall to get some money to pay for his taxi. It's not looking a good pattern, is it? And when he comes on and plays the few times he has, he's just not looked part of the setup. So perhaps, uh, perhaps he's away. Perhaps he knows already he's away. What does, what does Ron say? He's away, Ron says. What did he say exactly? He said he's off at Christmas. Yeah. Well, if, yeah. Which is... If, well, once again, it seems, the way I'm getting the, 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 uh, the feeling is about the, the way that the, everything, the, 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 the dice are tumbling is that we're going to get, um, we're going to get it rescinded. And because the plans they're making are, are appear to be quite, uh, are being set up at the moment. So yeah. are, they pl- are they making plans for Nigel? Uh, funnily enough, um, uh, they're making plans for ecstasy. Are they? Okay. X- XTC. Oh, very good. Oh, sorry, mate. That was so good. It was, it was too good for me. Cool. Blimey. Very good. Uh, Dino, um, what with a Ross Barkley? I mean, uh, I, I just uh, it just beggars belief, isn't it? You know, if if Frank can't get it into his head that he needs to sort his life out, then I don't know what to say. Because as I said, Frank, you know, Frank had issues in the past. There was the thing at uh, I think it was at Heathrow, wasn't it, uh, around the nine eleven, which all got a bit out of hand. So he, Frank had his moments. So you know, you would have thought he could learn from something like Frank, but he, he clearly doesn't seem to. Yeah, I mean, Frank did give the players that weren't on international duty time off. So, I mean, if you want to go to Dubai, that's fair enough. But, yeah. You know, the way to Frank Lampard's first 11 is through your attitude and application in training. Yeah. And if he doesn't want to show that behaviour when he knows that that's the way the way in, then it sounds to me like he's, he's, he's given up, like JK said, and he's happy to, to take his money and wait for for something else, which is a shame because... He has every potential to be a you know a fantastic footballer. I, I will be so sad because if that's the case, because I, I, I'm I'm a big fan of Ross Barkley. I, I think he I think there's a, such a talented footballer lurking inside there. And I mean, you know, when it comes to drinking and partying and having a good time, I would be the last person to criticise anybody for doing that. Um, I mean, as, as as an aside, my grandfather was in the was in the army. Uh, he was a major, and he had a reputation. He never lost a drinking game in the army, but his only rule to the squaddies was that you can do whatever you like as long as you're on the parade ground at six o'clock in the morning. And and I kind of come from that that school of thought, so I used to party very hard. But I was always in and did my job, you know. And that's the that's the reality. And you can hardly say that Ross 
has been performing, you know, well enough on the pitch to deserve being played. And uh, I do think it's very sad. And I just hope he sorts himself out. But I have a horrible suspicion that he might not. Right, enough of all of that. I've got a few parish notices before we carry on with the old football. Um, actually, I've got... This is this is a really, really great one, um, which I got from our, our, our dear old mate, uh, Alex. Alexandra Churchill, in fact. Um, you may have seen this on Twitter and Facebook, but this is massively, massively important. Uh, basically, she's doing... She does every every Christmas, actually, but she's, she's titled this Football Santa's 2019 in aid of children affected by domestic violence. And uh, she's trying to uh, raise £3,000 for this very, very worthwhile cause. And she sent me a lovely little message today because we were having a bit of of WhatsAppage before the show because we are all trying to uh, do the schedule for December and January. Anyway, she says, uh, we've got more than 20 children to buy for this year. So basically the the money goes to buying these kids toys or, or, or giving them nice special things to try and make their Christmases. Uh, at least half decent. Uh, so they've got about 20 children to buy for this year, as well as a few hardship emergency things to take care of. Um, they're still a long way short of the total needed. I think they've raised about 550 quid, so they are a long way short um, to take care of everybody. Now, if you if you go to Facebook uh, and you find the Football Santa's links on her page, and you can pay uh, donate via alexandra.churchill at hotmail.com, uh, but you can also don't donate via a bank transfer if you contact Alex. She'll tell you how. Uh, but there's some great things to uh, bid for as well, like a bit of a raffle, really. Um, and there are, for example, signed Loftus Cheek boots on eBay for two more days, if you want to grab hold of that, as well as a signed FA Cup football from the FA Cup winning side of 2017-18, the one where Conte ended up bonkers. Right, Marco's donated that. There's also a raffle going, £5 a ticket, uh, and you can win a signed Europa League shirt. Signed, by, uh, sorry, a signed Europa League shirt, a signed Peter Osgood photo, or an exclusive, uh, well, exclusive club Chelsea item. So these are the kind of the, the goodie bag stuff that you get if you go to the posh bits. Uh, and, you can pay, and you can pay online by any of those methods. Just add the word raffle to your £5 donation, uh, so not not all donors are Chelsea fans. That's why it's not automatic. But I think you get the message. All right. So there you go. If you go, I mean, she's been tweeting for England about all of this, and I will endeavour to retweet this on the Chelsea Fancast Twitter stream. But also, as I said, if you're on Facebook, just uh, tap in Alexandra Churchill or Football Santa's 2019 in aid of children affected by domestic violence. But uh, please get involved. Give generously. It's a very very worthwhile. Uh, cause that's for sure so well done alex you're an absolute legend uh and much much less worthwhile cause uh but certainly important to us if you like is uh, is the fact that we're we've got a patreon page as you all know um so basically people pay a little bit uh every month to subscribe to uh, chelsea fancast on patreon and it helps me to cover the you would be surprised actually about the cost of running all these shows every week so there you go uh anyway um there's also, you know, you can get hold of me. That occasionally you get a few kind of special things. Ah, this weekend, ah, I've remembered. Jonathan and I will hopefully debut doing an exclusive post-match video uh, on Patreon. So there you go. That's a really good reason not to sign up to Patreon. But hey, 
I'm prepared to take that risk, JK. I mean, you know, you're not going to get the kind of nonsense that the, the blue TV people and all the other vloggers do. This is me and JK. The last time we tried this, I was so pissed that we had to abort it. Jonathan was so disgusted with my performance that it, it basically ended up on the cutting room floor. So hopefully, I mean, with Patreon, he's got no choice because it will go out straight live to Patreon. And there'll be no editing or anything. So there you go. There's a reason to either not subscribe to Patreon or subscribe to Patreon. And of course... Um, Finally, 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 those of you who asked for a mini uh, Kerry Dixon banner, uh, which I promised you all, I, basically all of our patrons, I said, I'll get you a, a mini Kerry Dixon banner. And a few of you said, yes, please, Chidge, thank you very much. And then I said, well, I'll get Kerry Dixon to sign them as a special treat. And of course, I haven't been able to track the bugger down since, but I will be meeting him before the West Ham game on Saturday. And he will, I tell you what, he will have a very sore uh, writing hand after that he's got quite a lot to sign and they will be on their way to you very soon but if you if you were uh, i can't promise you a kerry dixon signed uh, mini banner but if you sign up to patreon you are entitled to one if you let me know that you want one so there you go all you have to do is go to www.patreon.com forward slash chelsea fancast i commend it to you now Another thing that I've been involved with this season, as you probably know, in fact, there are people who are yet to be discovered in the Amazon rainforest who probably know about this, but uh, I've started this thing called the Chelsea Special, which is a podcast, yes, but it's really basically interviews with lots of former Chelsea players from the 60s, 70s onwards, uh, and a few, a sprinkling of kind of celebrity or noteworthy fans thrown in for good measure. Um, We've already done one on Kerry Dixon, Bobby Tambling, Chopper Harris, Tommy Baldwin, John Boyle, John Bumpstead, Gary Chivers, Colin Pates, Canners. Uh, We recorded one with uh, Danny Harkins, Eccles. For those of you who know your Chelsea history, you'll know that Danny was uh, kind of really, you know, fundamental in creating the atmosphere in the 60s. He was one of the, he was the kind of the leader of the Shed Boys back in the day. He's quite a character and then some. So we did a great interview with him on Friday. That'll be out soon. But uh, I shall be releasing the Johnny Bumpstead one this week, having released Colin Pate's uh, last week they are they are absolutely i mean i know i i sound hor- horribly biased and i am and a bit myopic about this they are absolutely fantastic these interviews uh me and martin king are doing them and the players are just really opening up and 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 being brilliant absolutely brilliant every single one of them and i don't know we're perhaps asking different questions than other people would i really don't know what it is but they they are gold dust um because we're paying these guys uh, quite a healthy amount to do these interviews, uh, we are having to charge for them. £2.99 to be precise, which kind of covers our, well, it hasn't covered our costs at all, but hopefully in the end of the day it will. Um, and that means that the only place you can get them is a place called Podbean. Uh, in fact, specifically chelseaspecial.podbean.com. Uh, so if you go there and pay your two ninety nine, you can download each one. I, I really think you should. They're fantastic. They really, really are. You can also follow the Chelsea Special at Chelsea underscore special, and it's also on Facebook as the Chelsea Special. Uh, incidentally, I put a blog up on uh, the ChelseaFanCast.com website uh, for each podcast. You can also, if you press the Buy Now button, it'll take you straight to the podcast. But in amongst all of that, there's a nice little blog about them and what they're about, their stats. But the most interesting thing is I keep digging up some amazing uh, YouTube footage of these players playing. And, uh, and it's, I mean, that, that, that's worth it alone. Just go and check out some of the footage of them playing. It really, 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 really is good. All right, enough of me plugging stuff left, right and centre. Part three, we're going to read out this week's emails. But we're also going to reveal the winner of the Art of Football Frank Lampard t-shirt competition. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. 
Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Cheech. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Football Fancast. Right, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. I am Stanford Chidge. You are Jonathan Kidd. Buonasera. Buonasera. That's a very Marco thing to say. And, uh, of course, we have the lovely Dean Mears in the house as well. Evening. There you go. Right, Okay. in spite of technical difficulties this evening, we are manfully... Uh, ploughing ahead as we like to do now uh, what I've got now is I've got um, the answer the uh, the result the winner of the art of football competition now art of football as you probably know is or at art underscore of underscore football on Twitter brilliant people they make fantastic Chelsea t-shirts I, I, I own many of them and and prints and all sorts of other things as well but they very kindly said would you like to do a competition and give away a wonderful Frank Lampard t-shirt it's basically got Lampard written in a very interesting uh uh, kind of type font or whatever you want to call it. it looks a bit Russian actually but it's very stylish so uh, quite a lovely thing to give away so we said yes we'll do that so I had a competition last week we announced it last week and you had to answer the following question how many Chelsea matches has Frank won as Chelsea manager now going by Chelsea's official site Frank has managed wins uh, Chelsea to wins over St Patrick's Athletic or St Patrick's Athletic if you prefer Barcelona, Reading, Red Bull, Salzburg, Norwich, Wolves, Grimsby, Brighton, Lille, Southampton, Newcastle, Ajax, Burnley, Watford and Crystal Palace. So the correct answer going by the uh, Chelsea website is 15. And the winner is, which I picked at random this morning, the winner is Nigel Bird. 
or Happy Bird on Mixler, as it happens. So there you go. Nigel, well done, my friend. Uh, I probably, I think I have your address, so what I'll do, if you don't mind, is I'll pass it on to Art of Football, and uh, they will post it out to you directly, or alternatively, just get hold of me, and I'll get them to send it to me. But it makes more sense if they send it to you direct. So I shall get on to them and make them do that. So there you go. Anyway, lovely. Right, uh, we got... Uh, we got th- well. It says here officially, J.K. Three emails, but actually another one came in after the cut. So th- the last one is for me. So off you go. This is from George Newell, a defence of Jose Mourinho. Hi, Chidge, Jonathan, and guest. Well, it's Dean. It's Dean. I'm writing this one on the morning of Jose Mourinho's appointment as the new sport manager, and I imagine this could be quite the hot topic on this week's fan cast. Uh, no. Although, as you can tell by the title of this email, I may well have differing opinions to yourselves. Apologies if it gets a bit ranty at any point and drags on. First of all, as this is the first time I've written in, although I have had a beer with Chidge and the cock before, well, that counts for a lot, though. Just a little bit of context to this email and my history as a Chelsea fan. Having been born in 1992, I have, uh, you're a stripling, you're a young man. I have had the privilege of being a fan during a period of unprecedented success for us indeed and there haven't been too many down points there have for me and change let me tell you my first memory of Chelsea was my dad bringing home the 19 the 95 96 home course kit what a lovely kit I've got that one which we would later win the FA Cup in with Hullet on the back me too and ever since then I've been Chelsea Hullet one of the greatest Chelsea players ever anyway I've recently had a child myself and the first thing I bought him was two Chelsea baby grows I bought some shorts and a shirt for my daughter and she's not interested like me he won't have any choice in who he supports but why would he want to support anyone else anyway indeed now onto the purpose of this email the relationship between us and Jose Mourinho I have been scrolling through Twitter this morning always the dangerous thing I know but I can't believe some of the stuff I've been reading He's dead to me. I have no feelings towards him anymore. Talk of anti-Mourinho banners and a cauldron of hate when he returns to the bridge. Let me just say, I wasn't thrilled when he joined United. I'm even less thrilled now he's a... However, I could never hate or boo the man who is our best ever manager and who made the team which led us to our greatest ever period of success. How about we show him a little bit of respect? I'm not expecting chants of Jose Mourinho when he comes back to manage against us, but you certainly won't hear me chanting... Mourinho either. From going to games, listening to the fan cast and speaking to other fans, there appear to be common themes as to why people have turned against him. So I'm going to try to debunk some of these theories and maybe give a, a different viewpoint on them. The 2015-16 season, toxic Mourinho. I'm not going to defend his actions or his reaction to the Eva Camero incident as he was bang out of order. But let's just have a look at all that pre-season, at that pre-season first and why tensions may have been a bit high. You're the manager of Chelsea. You've just won the league. Want to strengthen the squad ahead of a tough title defence. You go to the board and ask for Raphael Varane or John Stones, Paul Pogba and Edison Cavani and to keep Petr Cech. What do you get in return? is Michael Hector, Papi Dilaboggi, Baba Raman, Radamel Falcao, minus any kneecaps, and Czech 
sold to a local rival. Granted, we did also sign Pedro, and I understand the reasoning behind the cheque sale, but surely that's enough to make your blood boil. These things tend to be forgotten, and people now talk about him sulking and imploding and putting us in a relegation battle. The man just wanted us to keep improving, and he was given a poor hand by the board. I'm not condoning the sulking, but I think he has the right to feel aggrieved at not being backed with his history with the club. Manchester United. As previously stated, I wasn't particularly thrilled when he would sign to become the new manager of Man U, but we had sacked him twice by now, and there are only so many top clubs he can go to. From memory, in the first game back, he was all smiles and happy Jose at the beginning of the match. We would then go on to win 4-0, and he had words with Conte at the end of the match about embarrassing him towards the end. Then began the slanging match between Conte and Mourinho, with barbs about being senile or a match fixer being sent in either direction. We rightly supported Conte over Mourinho, as he was our manager at the time, but looking back at the way Conte acted in his second season, and subsequently maybe we should have remained neutral. The real flashpoint seems to be the FA Cup match at home when we won 1-0 with Kante scoring. Mourinho was his usual animated self on the sideline and then came the chance of fuck off Mourinho and he turned round to remind the East Stand of the three league titles he'd won for us. Is there really anything wrong with his behaviour here? Did we honestly expect him to just sit quietly in the dugout and show no emotion every time he returned to Stamford Bridge? The man's a natural ball winner who kicks every ball during the match. Who are we to expect him to change when he plays against us? Then came last season of that clown in Sari's backroom team who jumped and shouted in his face when Barkley equalised. Who wouldn't be angered by that? Punditry. Marino once said that when he retired, he'd become a pundit and have a Chelsea bias. Maybe he would have if he went into, into, in, in, went into it in 2016. But it's clear now that he's neutral and has no allegiances. After the United Way game, perhaps, he was a bit harsh in questioning why Lampard was putting so much faith in the youngsters. But then again, we had just been beaten 4-0. I didn't find any of his comments particularly outrageous or scathing, more of just an observation of how the game had panned out. But they appears, appeared to cause uproar online. Next came his recent comments about his fear of how we perform against the big clubs. He was also complimentary of how we'd been playing recently, but highlighting that we would get the, would, would get the necessary reaction that everyone wants. Before getting into another slanging match, let's just see if he has a point. So far this season, in my opinion, we've played seven matches against big sides. United twice, Liverpool twice, Ajax twice and Leicester. In those matches, our record is played seven, won one, drawn three, lost three. I'm not counting losing on penalties to Liverpool. Ask Jose if you lose on penalty, it means you've drawn the match. Now, I'm well aware this season is a transitional season and I'm not expecting us to be beating these sides regularly. Personally, I'm not particularly outraged by what Mourinho has said, as it appears to be running true so far. And I don't think we should be getting carried away with winning six on the bounce against six teams we should beat. He said congratulations on beating these six, but let's not get too excited until we're regularly beating the big sides. Sound advice, in my opinion. Granted, I've written this pre the City game, so if we win that, I'm sure we'll win the league, Champions League and FA Cup. Once again, apologies, as this does appear to have run on a bit. No, but it's very good, though, George. But I'll leave you with this. In my eyes, Jose Mourinho is a Chelsea legend who deserves to be up there with the Osgoods, Tamblings, Zolas, Terry's, etc. How about instead of worrying about what Mourinho is saying about us and trying to get in our minds, 
we just thank and respect him for all the good times he's given us and focus our attention on supporting Frank and the boys. So, thank you, Jose, for the three Premier Leagues, FA Cup, three League Cups, and making the core of the 2012 squad. Now do us one more favour and relegate her. George Newell, yes, <laughs> I'm hoping to get back to the bridge after Christmas, so I'll see you in the cock and get Nick Stroudley to buy you all a pint. <laughs> Brilliant. I hope so. I remember, George. What do you think of that, JK? Mm. I think, personally, I... I um, uh, I do despair of all these people tweeting about, you know, he's dead to me. Because um, I think we he's talked about this on Friday. That's the kind of thing Ron he's, would say, yeah. isn't it? He's dead to me. He's dead to me. I'll he's send him a the... Millwall brick in the post. He's <laughs> on... Um... Is on Friday, I think we discussed it, and it is we, we sort of don't really care, do we, Jidge, anymore? It's um, it's uh, it's we're we're past that really. He's he's uh, you can see that he's just he's a career manager, and uh, he has to have his little um, uh, tantrums from time to time. And he was indeed wonderful for us in his first two seasons, and uh, uh, he's now moved on to uh, another team who've offered him terms. And I, I it doesn't matter to me that it's um. It's the spuds. I don't. Uh, let's see what he does. I think he'll do exactly the same thing. He might win them a trophy or win them the league cup or something. And um, and after the third season, uh, and after the second season, he'll implode. That's the pattern. That's what he gets into. You have to expect that. And he's a character. And he's part of the the uh, the English Premier League landscape. And um, you know, good luck to him. And he makes he makes uh, the Premier League more exciting because of his. Um, not outrageousness because of his personality and character. So it's good to have him back. And uh, um, I don't think you should ever be saying that he's, uh, we should ever fall out with him. We should ever just, we should just accept the fact that he was uh, a wonderful manager for us and let him get on with it. What do you reckon, Dean? Well, I, I actually tweeted that he's dead to me. Um... <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Nice one, mate. <laughs> I forgot that. <laughs> yeah. Well, why, why, though? Seriously, why? Did you, I mean, did you mean it? Because, I, I mean, your tweets are wonderfully ambiguous. I, I often read them and think, does he really mean it, or is he just on the wind-up? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't go, I wouldn't go that far um, in real life, so to speak. You know, but, you know, we loved him, and we had that wonderful time with him as manager. And, and since he left it's, and he joined United, it's, you know, the three fingers up, you know, because... To him, they're his titles. They're not ours. Yeah. And he won them, not us. And for us, it was always us as a club. And, you know, he's proven, you know, we always knew what he was like. But he's proven that, you know, he cares about number one and number one. And he's proven that with his latest choice of club. You know, because if you really, you know, love the club, like, you know, like they asked Frank if he would go and manage Spurs. And, you know, the answer he gave, I, I, I truly believe. And, you know, like JK said, you know, if he wants to go and do what he does now, then he can do what he does. You know, we've got something so good going on ourselves. We don't need to worry about him anymore. Yeah, I mean, I I actually broadly agree with what you both said. I mean, we, we did this to death on uh, on the Friday Love Show. Uh, lo- the Friday Love Show? Maybe that's a new name for it. Jonathan, and, Jonathan and Chidge on the Friday Love Show. Love show. <laughs> That'd be like great, it. wouldn't it? Yeah, great. Uh, we'll change it to we're coming in your ear or something. Anyway... <laughs> Um, yes, moving swiftly along. Yeah, I mean, we, we did this to death on Friday, and, and I agree with you broadly, uh, you know, both of you broadly. Look, he, he's a raging narcissist. It's all about him. 
All his titles are all about him. That kind of pisses me off. But, I mean, you know, he's part of our history and always will be. And I will personally always be grateful for the eight trophies he brought to the club because it gave me uh, many wonderful times, as uh, Gianfranco Zola would say. But he, the bottom line is he's a professional manager. He can go and manage who he wants, you know. And the reality with Mourinho is that all the digs he's made at uh, you know, against us. He doesn't love the club like we do. He's not like us. He's not one of us. You know, he really isn't. And we should should never have perhaps deluded ourselves into thinking for one minute that he might be. Anything he says about us, he says because he wants to get some sort of tactical, tangible or psychological advantage. He will say anything to gain that advantage. That's his modus operandi. So for us to get wound up about it is a bit, a bit pointless, really, I think. Um, I, I totally echo what... Uh, what George says about uh, getting them relegated. I think we saw the best of him when, when uh, as a manager when he was with us, uh, you know, kind of one and a half times, really. Um, I, I'm not so sure he's moved on enough in terms of how one manages these players these days. I, just, I think it might work short term, but I don't think it's a long term solution. Uh, but I do hope he relegates Spurs. That will really make me laugh. Um, I have to, the only thing I question about your email, George, really, is I, I, I mean, is he a Chelsea legend? Well, he, in a sense, because he won us or helped to win us so many trophies. But I don't think you can put him up there with Osgood's, Tambling, Zola's and Terry's ETC. And the reason I say that is I've just interviewed Bobby Tambling. Um, and, you know, his love for Chelsea is ju- is like our love for Chelsea. A lot of these players, you know, the likes of all the guys that I've interviewed recently, they absolutely still bleed blue. They love Chelsea in the same way that we do. And I don't think you could ever say that about Jose Mourinho. The only person he truly loves, really, is himself. I have no problem with that. It works well for him. But I don't think you could compare him to, to the likes of Tambling and Osgood and so on and so forth. But I, I broadly agree with actually everything that, that George has said. There are two sides to that story. And he makes some very, very good points there. Uh, brilliant email, George, which is why it was the email of the week. So there you go. Right, next one uh, from Matt Sulia. Matt says, Dear Chidge and the gang... Uh, they should be a band, really, shouldn't they, Jonathan? Chidge and the Gang. Yeah, like Cool and the Gang. Can we just do soul covers? Yeah, we should. We should do. We should do a show one week in the style of soul music. What do you reckon? Maybe. Get down. Get down. Uh, anyway, uh, dear Chidge and the Gang, thanks as always for your impeccable coverage of our beloved Chelsea. Uh, listening is always a highlight of the week. I wanted to share with you the story of how I came to support this wonderful club that brings us all so much joy. Growing up playing football, soccer, since a young age, I've always had a deep love for the game. But being a Midwestern American kid born in the 80s, I grew up with very little exposure to world-class football. The one exception was watching the 94 World Cup from the top row of the Pontiac Silverdome, where as a shirtless nine-year-old, I witnessed the US play Switzerland in the first ever World Cup game played indoors. 1-1 draw. Not having a professional club in my home state and without much soccer on TV, I really only followed our national team, which leads us to how I became a devoted disciple of all things Chelsea. On a family vacation to London 2006, my dad and I decided to see if we could catch a professional match while in the country. After finding out that Chelsea was playing in town that night, we asked the hotel attendant if he thought it would be possible to still buy tickets to the game. He told us that if we went to the ticket booth at the bridge, that we would be able to buy a ticket on site for the match. It seemed unlikely and a long shot, but naively we went to the match cramming our way onto the tube car full of singing blues supporters en route. 
The energy on the train was electric and after arriving at the bridge we quickly realised that in fact it was a Champions League round of 16 match versus Porto with tickets being sold out for weeks ahead of time. We walked around for an hour enjoying the spectacle of singing Portuguese supporters and desperately searching for tickets being sold on the street, all to no avail. Saddened and on our way to find a pub to watch the game, we asked an older gent selling matchday programmes if he knew where we might be able to secure a ticket. He instructed us to go to the tube station and within 20 seconds a man approached us seeing if we were interested in tickets. He invited us into a cafe where we, he made us nervously slide the money and, ticket, and tickets under the table. This made us wonder if the tickets were not genuine, but we decided it was worth the risk. Thankfully, they were real, and we joyfully entered the stadium, excited to see the match with no idea where our seats were. As we entered the ground with the Champions League anthem ringing in our ears, we kept walking down the stands, eventually realising that our seats were at midfield in the second row. Amazed at our luck, we were immediately blown away by the beauty of the atmosphere and the fact that we were just a few feet away from the likes of Frank, Didier, Ashley, John Terry and Petr Cech. Needless to say, I was starstruck and inspired by the amazing skill and passion. The welcome and warmth I experienced by the fans seated around me was something I won't soon forget. Coming into the stadium as a neutral, we quickly found ourselves hugging and wildly cheering with fellow fans at the heroics of Michael Ballack's 79th minute goal to send Chelsea through to the semi-finals. Needless to say, I had found my club. That year happened to be one of the first years that the Champions League was broadcast widely in the States, and after returning home, I began to religiously follow our beloved Chelsea and haven't missed a match since. The club has brought incredible amounts of joy to my life over the past 13 seasons, and I'm beyond thrilled to see this new generation of Chelsea youth stepping up to the occasion, fearlessly under Frank's lead. I've never been more enthusiastic about our club's future, and I'm grateful to now watch fellow American Christian Pulisic begin to come into his own in the Chelsea kit. I've already purchased two newborn, uh, two newborn baby kits for our incoming twin girls who will be born this winter. I look forward to passing on them onto them the passion that is Chelsea Football Club. Keep up the great work and up the Chelsea, your friend across the pond, Matt from Michigan. Brilliant email, Matt, and uh, best of luck for your uh, your expected arrivals this winter. T- twin daughters, is it? Did he say that? Twin, yeah, yeah. twin girls. Yeah. Wowzers! There you go. Um, I expected him to say, Chidge, that uh, when I, we went there, we went down the stairs at the east stand where it was, and found ourselves on the pitch. I just thought that was going to be the way that the tickets he'd got somehow. I had no idea where he was going. And then we were arrested and we were taken back to the police cells or something, you know, that he got so far and yet nothing had happened. You know, it was then they'd, they'd been they were kind of how he'd found himself in a completely strange position at the bridge or, or a restricted view. Not that there are any, but I wonder what, how on, how much he paid to get right next to them but was that would that be east and lower do you think he went into it sounds like it doesn't yeah, it? yeah definitely yeah yeah just next to uh next to uh, the ground next to the dugouts but uh you know i thought that was going to be the, the funny aspect of the story and i found myself on the pitch and we were arrested and taken to the police station so, so you've you got the neck yeah you've got you've got a name that i couldn't possibly uh pronounce i'm glad to say well um uh, Andreas Jokovicius. Andreas Jokovicius. Hmm. Do you reckon? Yeah. Andreas. Maybe Jokovic- it's a, maybe it's a, it's not a silent C. Maybe it's Jokovicius. Jokovicius. No, Jokovicius. Andreas. Andreas Jokovicius. No, I think it's a, uh, I think it's a K. Andreas Jokovicius. No, what about K though? Andreas Jokovicius. 
Hi, David, I'm Chelsea fan since total... Нет, it's more like that. Andres, you're convicious. Uh, anyway. He's from Lithuania, mate, I think. Lithuania, yeah, I know, but they speak Russian there. That's how they speak over there. Um, All right. Uh, uh, yeah, hi, David. I'm Chelsea fan. I'm a Chelsea fan. He's left out the A, which is typically Russian. That's good. It's good. It's perfect. I'm a Chelsea fan since... I'm a Chelsea fan since 2001. I'm from Lithuania, so sorry for my English. Mate, it's much better than my Russian. Me and both my kids have CPO shares. Good on you. Since 2012, I tried to go to Stamford Bridge at least for three to five games a season. First time with going with friends, father, wife. For the last three years, I'm going with my older son, who is now 11. Excellent. I'd like to thank you for your podcast. Keeps me closer to the club and all the news around it. A couple of times on a show you mentioned on away games, it's a completely different atmosphere. Yes, you must go. It is a very different atmosphere. So if I'll go there with my 11-year-old son, will it be okay? As I don't know any chance, any of those simple ones. Maybe you can advise me which trips in March to April will be easiest to travel to from London. We don't have many loyalty points, so I think we've no chance to get tickets to games in London, West Ham or Palace. Thank you very much for your time. Regards, Andreas. What do you reckon, Chidge? What do, what do we suggest? Um, <clears throat> well, I'm sure he'll be fine, really. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, I yeah. Think, yeah you know, I mean, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult because it's easy for me to say, yeah, you'll be fine, because I know lots of people and I'm in my 50s. Um, but I would say, yeah, you know, there are some games you might want to give a bit of a swerve to. I mean, I say this trepidatiously because I, I was on the receiving end of an email by virtue of the trust today, about some uh, father and his son being abused uh, incessantly by the City fans because they happened to be sitting right by them in the City match. You know, some appalling stuff was being shouted at them, which, you know, a little 11-year-old kid doesn't really, you know, have to endure. So you just don't know. I mean, it is a bit potluck. But basically, Andreas, you should be fine. You know, plenty of plenty of people take their kids to away matches, and why shouldn't they? Now... And the main thing is, of course, Chidge, is when you're away, you are part of a select crew. Everybody there is a Chelsea fan and everybody's on your side. So there's a great deal of bonhomie going on in a way because you're all 2,500, 3,000 of you all stuck together in one part of the ground. And it's that that makes it actually really rather a, a terrific experience. So um, and I'm sure that if he communicates with people around him saying that he's he's um, a Chelsea fan from Lithuania, there'll they'll be great love for him for making yeah. the effort because well, that, that, they really are excellent. And it doesn't matter that you don't know the chance, you can start learning them because you'll hear them and they're pretty simple. And, uh, uh, and lots of them, uh, lots of them are, are, you know, you can pick them up because they'll be repeated. So have no problem with that. No, no, no. It's just a question of what, what you can get to, how accessible if you get a ticket for, for the both of you. Well, that's, so. that's true. I mean, that's harder, isn't it? What, what do you reckon, Dean? Yeah, I mean, going to uh, away games is always special and, you know, he's older son's 11, so the perfect age, I think, for your first one. Obviously, like you say, it's getting to the getting to the game and getting tickets is the problem. But, yeah, if he's there, then there'd be absolutely no problems. Yeah, I mean, just looking at the, the old calendar, um, we've got in March, we've got Villa away. That's a good trip. I'd recommend that. Uh, West Ham away, I wouldn't recommend that. Uh, Palace away, I'd absolutely recommend that. That's that's great fun because you know it, it's a really old-fashioned stadium. Sheffield United away, um, yeah, why not? You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I've not done Sheffield United away, so I can't really comment. But I mean, proper old club, proper old ground. So yeah, you know, West Ham, horrible place to go. Blah blah blah, horrible people. I'd swerve that, Andreas. But the others are all okay. So good luck with getting a ticket. Let us know how you get on. 
Great email, that. Enjoyed that. Now, finally, uh, this one crept under the under the wire. Uh, and it's from our mate Greg Droney from uh, Toowoomba, Australia. Good evening, Chidge, JK, and guest player. That would be you, Dean. Uh, thanks for the fab show and for your fantastic bias towards all things blue. I've loved Chelsea over a 45-year affair, but I'm requesting that Frank cease the retention of possession at all costs when playing out from the back. It takes players of exceptional ability to do so, and at this stage of the size development, they simply do not have the skill to do so. I understand it is de rigueur in the EPL to do so these days, but it really is low percentage play. Kepper's form also has me reaching for the worry beads. Am I being harsh? Yours in football, Greg Droney. Good question. Um, we we kind of touched on this earlier, didn't we, J.K.? And it's yeah. giving us yeah, it's giving us freaking us out. Uh, and, and as is as is uh, Kepper's form equally making us. I think we're we're agreeing with him. Although I think he should I think he should carry on with it actually because I I think you know thus far they've not uh, you know they've made mistakes, but I don't think it's actually. I mean, them trying to play out the back hasn't led to an embarrassing goal yet, has it, J.K.? It almost did, didn't it, with um, uh, Reguero hitting the bar um, at the weekend. But uh, no, it, it, we seem to redeem ourselves. I think it happened in the Ajax game. And uh, um, no, it wasn't. It was the earlier game, wasn't it, against... Um, who did we play? Not Val- We're playing Valencia coming up. Um, uh, Lille, was it Lille? They had a bloke who every single time would hurl himself to the ground if you dared to pick the ball up in front of him as if somehow he'd been... Uh, He'd been polaxed by some ridiculous um, goalkeeping aberration as if he'd just been touched. I mean, that's a dilemma as to uh, uh, how much people use it as an opportunity to um, to win, try and win penalties. Uh, but, yeah, you are dependent on a, a... It's the panic stations. There hasn't actually been... Um, has there been a goal scored from it? I don't think there has. I think you're right, Chidge. But it is. One's heart is in one's mouth every single time. But... You know, it's it's a ploy that um, what the essence is, of course, is if you kick the ball down the pitch, you are giving the ball away. And it's a very possession based uh, type of football that everybody plays nowadays. So why give the ball away to the opposition when you want to keep it? And if it means you have to play out from behind to keep it and get space because the opposition are are attacking you and are, are, are pressing you, you've bypassed them. You've achieved it. So, um it's going to be with us uh, for a long time. Do you know? Yeah, I wouldn't. If that's the way Frank wants to play, he wouldn't stop doing it because they're not quite there yet. I mean, Zuma's not going to get any better if he's now booting the ball 60 yards down the pitch every week. You know, even with the Kepper incident, you know, as soon as he gave the ball away, he made himself big, he closed down Aguero's angle, and that's what stopped him scoring. So, you know, I wouldn't stop this, you know, passing out from the back because I think it's the right way to go in in modern football and it's the way we should be playing and if that's what Frank wants then that's what I want if Frank's happy Dino's happy if Dino's happy I'm happy so there you go um I I agree actually I I think look you know it hasn't caused a catastrophe yet um I think for me you know I'm not I'm not a massive fan of, of of kind of you know trends in football uh, football is basically a very simple game. I think what they need is judgment. I don't think you should be pissing around in the penalty area, passing it to each other just for the sake of it. If there's danger, you know, get the bloody ball into Rosette. There's nothing wrong with that. I do think I do think that it's horribly archaic in English to just punt the ball from the penalty area up to a big lumpy centre forward and basically immediately give possession away. 
I, I can understand why the whole idea of playing out from the back has merit, but you know, not at any cost. I think if there's real, real danger, then your first priority as a defender is to, is to get rid of the danger. And I think perhaps the modern players and modern managers lose sight of that a little bit. Anyway, I shall leave you with that philosophical thought uh, because that is it for our emails this week. Um, great emails this week, guys. Uh, we love getting them from you, as you know. Um, and we'll always do our best to read them out. So if you want to email us, send it to chelseafancast at gmail.com and try to get them into me by Monday morning at the absolute latest. Now, I've got, I finally got you on the bloody show, Dean. We haven't ne- we've not done anything about putting these emails up on the website. What shall we do? Uh, well, if you tag me in the script every week, then I can take them from there. Brilliant. That's the Long easiest thing to do, isn't it? Yeah, if you can just make a bit for it on the site that I can tag it onto. I will. I shall get. On. Do you know what I'll do, Dean? I shall do that over Christmas when I've got a couple of weeks off, and I'll create a new category on there. And do you know what the, the horror thought? I think going forward, that's what I'll do. The horror thought that I've just said. I wonder how many emails we've had so far on the show. Maybe that should be a competition yeah. question. I reckon we must have had two hundred. Yeah, that's yeah, a back catalogue that would make you and I go grey. <laughs> take me a week to read them uh, but there you go i think it's a good idea and some i mean like that one from uh, george earlier on that's a blog not an email it's brilliant anyway we'll get them on the site definitely now part four uh, we will reveal the winners and the losers of the who knows wins match predictions league which we had last weekend uh, and uh, to wrap up we're going to have a look ahead to wednesday night's crucial champions league match against valencia don't go anywhere Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast. As ever, check out the Chelsea Fancast website, ChelseaFancast.com. Loads of great stuff, all the shows, all the blogs by Dean and many, many others. And of course, there's a whole section on where we like to have a drink or some good pubs as well as all sorts of other interesting information. And of course, it is the home at the moment of the Chelsea Special uh, podcasts and blogs. So there we go. Lots to check out and read as well as in the future, people's emails. Now, um, as you probably all know, some of you can't stand it. I'm sorry about that. If you don't like the bit that we do on the Who Knows Wins uh, kind of betting app, uh, then just fast forward this button. I'll try and do it quickly, but I like it, as do many, many others, um, as evidenced by how many people come and join us each week when I create the league. What is it? Well, they like to call it the home of social betting. Um, and basically, the key to this is the social bit. They've removed the bookies from the equation, uh, and that means we can bet on sports against each other. It's a great way to rake in the cash with your friends, have a bit of a banter along the way in the chat section, which is great fun, by the way. There are no odds. There are no bookmakers. It's all about predicting the results of football matches, uh, which I choose once a week. And the idea is the more you know about your football, the more chance you've got to win. Or so I thought. More of that later. Uh, anyway, each week I set up a private Chelsea Fancast League with an entry fee of £5. Uh, and as I said, I, I pick a choice of matches. Now, last weekend was interesting because I, I decided not to just choose all of the Premier League fixtures. I mixed and matched it and tried to get a bit of Chelsea kind of connection in there. So we had uh, a couple of championship matches. We had Brentford and we had Charlton uh, because there's a Brentford connection. Josh, Josh, uh, 
Josh Mc- God, I'm having a brain fart. McEachran. Uh, and, uh, of course, Conor Gallagher for Charlton, who scored and made me very happy for a minute or two. And I also, just for randomness, had three Serie A matches. So I had the uh, Juventus, uh, Inter Milan and Napoli matches because, of course, they will have Chelsea connections with their managers. So anyway, I, I create the league and then I invite you lot to join it. And then you all predict the outcome of the games. And the person with the most correct predictions wins the pot of money because that's the point. It's pool betting. So every person who puts in a fiver, it goes to the pot and the winner gets a chance of winning 70% of that pot. And hopefully those who come second and third also get a bit of money too. But essentially it's having a bet on the football. But it's, So it's governed by the usual gambling rules. So it's only open to our UK listeners, I'm afraid. Uh, and of course, don't forget, gamble responsibly. And when the fun stops, stop. All you have to do is to download the app on the Apple app or uh, Apple App Store or the Google Play Store, register an account and deposit some money. Uh, And as the Chelsea fan cars, it starts off as a private league before it goes public. And you can usually only access this through the leak, the leak, the link that I put up on social media. uh, And then you have to kind of go back and, and then download the app and then click through and join our league. But it's pretty straightforward. People know how to do it. They're doing it every week. So headlines are uh, you physically cannot spend hundreds of pounds a day on it like you would at the bookies. It's purely about the social enjoyment with your friends. And you don't bet on your own against the bookies, which I personally like. Now, last week, as I said, uh, we had the uh, we had Charlton Cardiff, Cardiff West Ham Spurs, Atlanta Atalanta versus Juventus, Wimbledon versus Gillingham, Arsenal Southampton, Brentford Reading, Palace Liverpool, Milan Napoli, Man City Chelsea, Torino Internazionale. Jonathan, how many do you think I got out of those ten? Uh, eight. No, I got three. Absolute bollocks it was. I had Charlton to win. They drew. I had Spurs to win. I knew they'd win with Mourinho there. And West Ham are rubbish. So I got a point there. Juventus beat Atalanta. I had a draw for that. Uh, Wimbledon beat Gillingham. I thought they'd lose. Arsenal, uh, I had uh, to uh, beat Southampton. They drew. I had Brentford to draw a Reading. Brentford bloody well won. I knew Liverpool would beat Palace. Uh, I got... Milan Napoli wrong because I thought that Napoli would win and they drew. Uh, I had us down for a draw against City and uh, oh my god, I got into Milan right uh, with a win. So I was, I, I, it was, it was shocking. Do you know how shocking it was? Uh, appallingly shocking. Uh, there were thirty-five people in the uh, in the Chelsea Fancast Match Predictions League. I was thirty-fifth out of thirty-five. That is shocking. Chief. I had a shocker, mate. An absolute. Western fucking supermare. I almost uh, think you should be ashamed of yourself. I am. I'm utterly ashamed. I've won a few weeks, but I've been having a real... I'm on a bad run, a very bad run. Uh, but uh, others did much better than me. I have to say that, actually, talking of bad runs, uh, Nigel Bird, Happy Bird, uh, was 34th, and Paul Burgess was tied 21st. So I'm, I'm in good company, but I, I was the worst of all. I got three points... I was out on my own as the worst. So just in case anybody thought it was rigged, that's proof positive that it ain't. Anyway, I should congratulate John Hailstone, who got 9 out of 10. That's phenomenal. He's out on his own. And he won 116 quid. There you go, you see. You can win some good money on this. Uh, And well done to M. Brownio, Sparky109, Rev Jock. They came second and won 16 quid. And uh, everybody else didn't win any money because that's how it worked out this week. But uh, it's huge fun, even though I had a shocker this week. Uh, There you go. So I shall be putting a league up 
probably on Wednesday. So look out for that on our Twitter and Facebook page and do join in. It's great fun. We have a, if it, an away game. Of course, I was watching it on the tele, telly and of course you keep getting these notifications all day. So I was having a lot of fun chatting to everybody uh, in the chat room there. So get on it. Who knows wins? All right. Now, we've got a massive, 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 massive match uh, coming up on Wednesday against Valencia. Uh, I have to say, I think it's a bit of a... Uh, this is, I think this could determine whether we go through, is my gut feel. Uh, let me just give you a bit of a, a heads up here, because the recent form between... Uh, well, not between Valencia and Chelsea, but Valencia's recent form, most recent match first in the Champions League, they beat Lille 4-1, they drew 1-1 with Lille, they lost to Ajax 3-0, they beat us 1-0, and then last year they beat United 2-1 and uh, lost to Juventus 1-0. Our recent form... 4-4 against Ajax, we beat Ajax 1-0, we beat Lille 2-1, we lost to Valencia 1-0, and last, well, whenever it was, a couple of years ago now, wasn't it? 3-0 to Barcelona, we lost, and we drew 1-1 with Barcelona. We currently sit second. I mean, this is the thing. Ajax, Chelsea, and Valencia are all equal on points, 7, games won, games drawn, and games lost, 2-1-1. and one. Uh Ajax are slightly are, are ahead on goal difference, but that make that's it's irrelevant goal difference. It's all about head to heads. This is why I'm worried because we've already lost one nil to Valencia, so we need to do better than well. I mean, we 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 have to win, therefore to and um, have to win by more than one nil to have a better head to head record. Uh, it's all very confusing, uh, isn't it, Jonathan? My my feeling is, do we have to win this, or is a draw enough? I don't know if I should ask you the same question, Chich. Because um, we then have to beat Lille, obviously, which I think we would. And they've do. got Ajax in their last match, uh, and they've got Ajax, yeah. I think, away. So they've got a very, very, very tough last match, Valencia. One would expect Ajax to beat Valencia. So we'd then get, um, say, we drew with them, we'd have four points, and they only get three, so we'd be ahead of them, wouldn't we? But if, if we they, beat Lille, if they, which if we they beat do. us, um, we'd then be, and we beat Lille, it would be, uh, we'd have exactly the same points, wouldn't we? And as you say, it'd be down to the head-to-head, wouldn't it? And they've therefore won one more than us, so they would go through. So, yeah, I think it is, it's it's hugely important because, um, once again, uh, <clears throat> if we do have the, uh, the transfer ban rescinded, we'll then be going into the knockout stage with, um, uh, and he may purchase a couple of players as a consequence. Um to improve it so that they make more money from progressing in the competition. So uh, there are lots of um, positives to be had from winning, obviously going through because they get more money anyway, but also just from the way the team will then be the composition of the team as the season goes on. So it's, uh, it's, it needs, uh, we need a good performance. I don't see why they shouldn't beat them because we were just unfortunate at home and they, they, they applied the dark arts and got away with it because, uh, they're not a great side. I think if we play the way we've been playing recently, we'll win. So, I mean, Dean, uh, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with JK though. I, I, I think a draw actually is enough uh, because I don't, I don't see Valencia beating Ajax. Uh, so actually that, that takes the head to head out of the equation because four points will be enough uh, on the basis that Valencia will only therefore get one point. What, what becomes interesting then, of course, is that, of course, if we win, if we beat Valencia and we beat Lille and uh, Ajax also win their two games, we'll end up with exactly the same points as them. Well, I wonder if we'll top the group by virtue of the fact that we'll have a better head-to-head against Ajax. Yeah, we should do if it goes that way. Yeah, I think yeah. it's enough because then Ajax will still need to beat Valencia um, to go through themselves. So 
yeah, but you want to win every game anyway. And, you know, Valencia aren't a very good team. I know we've been a bit inconsistent in Europe. But, you know, you want to try and get top of the group to hopefully ease the next round mm. slightly. You know, I mean, I'm with you here. I, I don't think Valencia are a very good team. They're sitting 10th in La Liga at the moment. Uh, they've they've won two and lost two and drawn one of their last five matches, but they're sitting in 10th place behind the likes of Levante, Granada, Getafe, Real Sociedad. I mean, that ain't that ain't too good if you ask me. Uh, and they they lost against Real Betis 2-1 at home in their last match on the 23rd of November. So that was this weekend. So you know, I don't think I think we were just unlucky and showed our naivety in the home leg we shouldn't have bloody lost that match so I'm I'm quite confident about this but I mean you know worst case scenario Joe let's say it all goes very Pete Tong what would it mean if we ended up in the Europa League we'll win it (laughs) but we'll be playing United that's the trouble Um, but would we really want to be in it uh I don't mind you know it'll be another journey for Frank, but no, I, I, and we'll take it seriously, but no, I really don't want to be in it again. I'd rather, particularly given the, uh, the fact that we shouldn't, we shouldn't lose to Valencia and we, we, we should win the last two games. I think if we don't, we don't get through in the group stage, it won't be a great, uh, performance. We'll forgive him, of course, but I think, um, I think uh, Tuesday is consequently very important. But no, I, I, I wouldn't. I obviously you you support the team behind, and and you. I think we'd win the Europa League because I think we'll beat United this time if we happen to end up playing them, um, and we'll beat Arsenal again. But you know, uh, I'd rather not be not go through that again if it's possible. Well, at least it won't be in Baku or somewhere horrible like it was last year. But, um, I, I, as I said, I do feel quite confident. I mean. Number one, as I said, uh, Valencia are uh, currently 10th. Their form's not that brilliant. Uh, Also, we've only ever lost once to Valencia in the Champions League, and that was the last match at home. We've either... I mean, the away matches, we won in 2007 and again in 2007, both 2-1. And we drew in 2011. So, you know, we've got a good record against them. Uh, At home, of course, we drew... We've had two... Two draws, one win and a defeat. So, you know, our record against Valencia is good. I'm feeling very, very confident. Dino, um, James and Aspie to start? I think so. Um, given Emerson's performance, I don't see how he gets back in the team again. Mm. What about the midfield? I think we'll go with the same three again. Yeah, I think you'll... I so think no, no, mount, no mount starting then? I don't know if he'll start Mount on the left instead of um, Pulisic or not. You know, I think they'll want to win the game to, you know, not rely on the last game at home to go through. Yeah. You know, so it's just pick your strongest eleven. Yeah, true enough. So, well, that means so basically, really, the only selection headache is is Mount against Pulisic by the sounds of it. Yeah, I mean that's the way I would go. Obviously, I'm not Chelsea manager. No, true Sorry. enough. But yeah, I think Mount. You're, you're good, but you're not that good, Dino. Yeah, I think it might go with you know just the freshness of Mount, and that yeah. like the only two changes will be there. Yeah, I mean I, he'll definitely start William and William in my book because William brings with him all that experience, which I think is so important actually at this level. J.K., what about you? Would you broadly agree with that? Yeah, yeah. 
I think William is, is, is playing really well. It was annoying that he didn't score against City with that cross shot because um, he gets into such good positions and his flicks and his, his, uh, his uh, astute play uh, up front uh, and it also his, his, his tracking back are great. Um, uh, no, yeah, so he's, he's automatic for me. Um, and yeah, it's interesting, the, the, the Pulisic mount, he might decide that mount is, is better for the situation. They'll have had the scouts out looking at Valencia again, won't they? But whatever, the Pulisic will then be on to replace him if it's the other way around. But yeah, I would definitely play um, James and uh, and Dave and make that the, the pairing for the rest of the season. Or until we buy Chilwell. And then what happens to Dave? Oh, no. Um, no, well, you know, he's, you know, he'll be all right. I mean, look, I, I, I think I, I, like, I like this. I think going back to what we were saying about uh, Kepa and keepers and actually you, you can't look at him in isolation. You have to look at him as part of the defence. If you if you if you suddenly have an established back five of Kepper, James, Aspie, Tamori, and Zuma, then you know I think that's really healthy. That's what you want. You know I, I'm all for having a settled team because I think that the more they play together, the better they'll get. So and I don't also, have a problem with that. Just give a vote of confidence to Zuma, who I think has has, has out um, lived all our uh, expectations of him and it's just got better and better who, who we, was that sorry zuma, zuma we, yeah we were all thinking he was a bit dodgy after the man united game in particular beginning of the season and uh i think he's gone from strength to strength and he's looking they're a very good pairing i'm, I'm very impressed and people they were going on uh, on the on television there about you know rudiger coming back automatically and what a great player he was but i uh, um, uh, we don't know the degree to his injury how his injury is going to fashion him for the rest of the season but also I, i'm I'm not convinced he'd get in immediately because, uh, you know, they're playing so well. It'll all be down to training, of course, as we've established with Frank. But, um, uh, you know, hats off to uh, to both of them building. A, it's perhaps not as solid a defence as it could be, but they're, they're improving all the time. So, mm. as a, as a part. All right, nail, nail your colours to the mast uh, time. Dino, what are you going for? Uh, I'll go with another 2-1. Two, 2-1. One. Two, Two one for Chelsea. Uh, J.K. I think it'll be two two. Okay. Well, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Dean here. I'm going to go two one because there'll be a lovely symmetry to that every time. Well, actually, that's not true. I mean, we we we've dropped. We've beat them two one twice, and drawn with them one one. So I'll, I'll go. I'll be confident. And go two one. So there you go. We, so two one two one two two. Uh, all of those would be good enough in my book. So good luck to Chelsea on Wednesday. I shall be. Watching from the comfort of my armchair. Um, of course, it's an early bloody kickoff, isn't it? So I might actually miss the kickoff because I'm still at work. But uh, anyway, anybody who's going, and I'm sure there are many of you who are, um, I like Valencia. It's a good city. Enjoy it. Have fun. Be safe. Cheer them home. That's all I can say on that. Right. That, I'm afraid, is all we've got time for this week. We'll be back. Our special announcement, actually. We will be back next Tuesday. So in the time on a tradition, see you next Tuesday uh, at the... U- at the U- well, no, not even at the usual time, actually, because I'm going to have it at half seven. There's a reason for this, uh, which I will explain. Next Monday, uh, so, well, me and a few others of us, actually, will be at Paul Canneville's uh, Black and Blue Legends event uh, under the bridge, which is a cracking do. Uh, so a lot of us will be there which means we can't do the show on the Monday. And on Tuesday, I work, would you believe, until 7 o'clock. 
So uh, I have to delay kickoff. Kickoff will be delayed until half past seven. If that's okay for you lot, I'm sure it will be. Uh, so there you go. Um, hopefully, because uh, I haven't asked them yet, but hopefully I will be joined by Jonathan Kidd and, as I haven't done the schedule yet, also a mystery guest yet to be confirmed. I'm um, free. You're free, Mr Humphreys. Uh, yeah, I mean, everybody's been beautiful on WhatsApp tonight telling me who's available uh, and they all know it's half seven on a Tuesday, so they've got no excuses. But I'll, I'll make sure we've got some good people with me and JK next week. And, of course, we'll be looking back to the match we've just been discussing against Valencia. And also we'll be looking back uh, to the match against West Ham on Saturday. A three o'clock kickoff. How delightful. And we'll be looking ahead to the midweek match against Aston Villa. The return of JT, of course. In the meantime... Don't forget to tune into the Chelsea Fancast on Love Sport Radio, or as we've renamed it, the uh, what do we call it? The Friday the Love, love show. show. The Love Show. Cheers. The Friday yeah. Love Show. That's right. Love Sport Radio, seven o'clock to eight o'clock uh, this Friday. Jonathan Clayton Beerman and Dan Silver, I believe, will be joining Matt Beadle. Uh, I'm not around because uh, actually, just as a heads up. If we're at home on a Saturday, invariably I will not be on the Love Sports show on a Friday because I'm not doing three days uh, in a row in London. I'm just not. I'm too old for that shit. Uh, so there you go. Anyway, so they'll be joining Matt to discuss all things Chelsea. Phone in, join in the show, debate with them all live. The number to call is 0208 70 20 558. And of course, Love Sports, a national radio station broadcast on all the digital channels uh, as well as overseas on things like Radio Player, TuneIn or lovesportradio.com. Of course... Uh, I knock it out as a podcast an hour or two afterwards, and that's always available on ChelseaFanCast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify, and other podcast distributors. Uh, and you can follow us on Twitter at ChelseaFanCast, me at Stanford Cheers, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, Dean at Dean Mears, and of course check out the website, ChelseaFanCast.com, where you will uh, read great stuff written by the likes of at Clitheroe Blue, at Dean Mears, at CFCGWLB, that's Alex Churchill, and of course the other fancast regulars are Clayton Beerman at Goalie59, Joe Tweeds at Joe Tweedy, uh, the wonderful Tony Glover, who has been a mixler tonight at Gross Jack UK, uh, at Dan Silves73 is Dan Silver, Mark Worrell at Gate17Marco, and uh, occasionally we have the likes of at Liam underscore Toomey from The Athletic, and uh, occasionally, rarely, I need to get Ollie back, at OJ Harbord, who of course writes for Football.London. Uh, and last but by no means least, a big thank you to Dane Whittle, who has taken over the job of managing our Instagram account, at Chelsea Fancast. He's doing a cracking job. He says we've had, uh, we've increased our followers by 100 in the last six weeks since he took it over, and he's putting up some brilliant, brilliant stuff. Of course, the reason he's doing it and not me is that I have no, I don't understand how Instagram works it's beyond my small brain so there you go but dean dane is doing a cracking job so do check it out at chelsea fancast on instagram lots of great content jonathan as always you've been delightful a joy to be on the show lovely i've loved it all thank you so much despite my disappearing for a short period indeed never mind we can edit that out so don't panic Dean, you have been brilliant. We we need to get you on more often, mate. It's it's always great having you on. It's a shame we we haven't managed to get you on for such a long time. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, great to be back on. Yeah, hopefully not so long next time. Lovely stuff. Well, as you know, you've you've been in receipt. Well, the the schedule is in progress, as you well know. So there you go. Anyway, great to have you on, mate. Always always lovely to hear your dulcet tones. And as for you, you lot out in Mixler, you've been brilliant as always. It wouldn't be the same without you making your uh, uh, you know interesting comments, which you always do. Uh, right, enough. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills. Up the chills. Chills. Ah.
It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.